All right, let's just wing it. That's yep. fine. It's all good. That's the, how it works anyway. Yep. Look, we're not we're not here for quality. We're here for content. Quality content? <laughs> nah, 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 nah. We don't need that. Pick pick two. Yeah. What's, what's the third one though? Um, consistency. Oh, that I definitely don't have. <laughs> right. So we're we're one for three. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Arguably, there's not even a whole lot of content. So on moon. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm trying to fix it. All right, welcome to the second episode of the Lucky Crit Fireside Emblem podcast. Once again, we're joined by longtime friend and uh, Lucky Crit co-creator, Cameron. Welcome back. Fire Emblem Heroes. <laughs> What's up? How's it going? <laughs> oh, that was great. Did you plan that? What? No. I am playing right now, though. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That has been like one of the longest running gags with you and me is just that it's so <laughs> awkward to play Fire Emblem Heroes in public and story. open that title screen. Yeah, it's it's so bad though. Like I don't understand why that has to be like a hundred percent or even just fifty percent louder than everything else. Like wouldn't you know to tone that down, perhaps? Yeah. I mean that time it was on purpose, but yeah, I usually get caught doing it all the time. <laughs> Every once in a while, you just hear that coming out of someone's phone. I've done it in, like, some of the... I mean, usually, sometimes it's not too bad, or, like, I'll catch it, and maybe it's just, you know, a little bit of a whisper in a public place. But then there's some times where I'm, like, in a like a super quiet, like, train terminal, or, like, in a car or a taxi or something, and all of a sudden, it's just... You hear that irritating scream come out of the back <laughs> of something. Everybody just looks, like, what the... What is this... Yeah, every time, without fail. And I die. I die a little inside. Yep. The embarrassment is pretty good, actually. And it's also sad too, because if you're watching a YouTube video, usually your volume is pretty cranked up, yeah. and then you'll just switch back over to your game, and well, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but we have a whole list of topics to go over today. You know, mainly because it's been about six months since the original pilot episode of this podcast, and a lot of stuff has changed in heroes don't date no don't don't date this because when they go back into the backlog later after like 20 podcasts then they're, they're <laughs> gonna, gonna realize that like a million things happen in between the first and the second episode of this not if you date it like that <laughs> all right well anyway there's a bunch of stuff to talk about a lot of new modes and stuff i don't know if we're gonna get through this entire list but at the very least i'd like to at least jump from like topic to topic so uh the first thing i have here to discuss uh, a very prevalent I guess, concern to a lot of players for Fire Emblem Heroes are the new arena changes. So if you're not aware, they've now made it so that the bonus unit will get extra points for kills in arena, which could be a good thing in some cases, but it also just kind of messes up the scoring in general. And we also, honestly, I still personally feel like we need a serious arena, like base that total revamp, because it's pretty much just, uh, you know, beyond tier 20 armor emblem. And, you know, to even stay in tier 20, you're going to need either plus 10 merges on people or super merged armors so what are your thoughts on that cameron um well uh, there's like a couple facets to it and i'll start with a tangent here of course if you've ever gone to any of these um websites um like the wiki or game press or anything like that and they all have mm -hmm. these tier lists i don't personally use the tier lists as like a way to you know pick and choose my teams or who i put on them who i play with who i enjoy but mm -hmm. they are a good indicator of like what's hot in the meta right now Right. Or even what's what's kind of hot for the, the counter meta, right? Or whatever people are taking as tech choices against the meta. And if you look at the last few months, it's just been armor at the very top and everything else is starting to 
you know, follow the bottom. Even characters who are supposed to be touted as like these crazy OP power creep releases, like uh, Aira or like even this new guy, uh, Forgetti. What is it? Forsetti Spaghetti? <laughs> Mama Spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> Mama yeah. Spaghetti. Lewin? Weak knees, green orbs heavy. Like, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how they come out and everybody's like, oh, they're, they're going to break the game. They're power creep. Doesn't matter. Armor on top. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just all armor. It is funny because there's a lot of units that people will freak out about when they first release that, you know, they'll comment like, oh my god, these skills are so broken. We're le- reaching like ridiculous power creep levels. But then the unit ends up not doing like anything in the meta at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like forgetty spaghetti aside, like it's just, it makes the meta stagnant. And, you know, if the meta becomes stagnant, then arena becomes stagnant. And then the, mm-hmm. it just kind of trickles down. I see the attempt they're trying to make with the bonus units collecting extra points. They're trying to get you to mix up your teams and, well, also get you to make use of the characters that you summon. So buy more characters and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like now if you're not running a full armor team or even maybe you are with this, you kind of have to build a team that is built around babysitting this unit or like feeding them like half injured heroes right like a team isn't handcrafted to like all work together anymore you know it's like a four-man cohesive unit it's meant to be like a like three characters that are meant to maul and just ravage the enemy team and leave them just barely alive so that your bonus unit can pick it up <laughs> yeah three babysitters and the, and the toddler yeah <laughs> It's like trying to play with Donald from uh, Awakening, except yeah. everyone's Donald. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about like tier uh, twenty and twenty-one and the whole crown thing? Uh, the new tier that they've slapped on to the end of of Arena. I'm not against it or anything like that. I I understand like if you're in the top, you know, not even five percent, like the top one percent of players. I mean, I assume most of them are whales. For the very few that aren't, you know, hats mm-hmm. off to you, but. And there's nothing wrong with being a whale either, if that's what you want to do. But at that 1%, I'm sure it got a little stale being in rank 20, meeting all these other people that would just scrape by to get into 20. And then, you know, it's not much of a challenge. Mm -hmm. So kind of being able to have matchmaking pit you against even tougher opponents isn't a bad thing. Right. I think maybe the way to put people into that bracket could be changed. I'm not really sure how, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this point collection thing again, babysitting these crippled Donalds into your teams, just, I don't know if that's the way to go about it. Yeah, I really think that there needs to be a rebalance. Because if I wanted to bring, like, a ninja character, there's no reason why that character should have a penalty over any other character. Like, if I can make it work bringing in, you know, like a launch unit like Saizo on my team and make that work, I don't think that I should be penalized for not having an armor unit. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it should be more fair. Um, there is a lot of stress, though, added with these new tiers, because personally, I kind of want to at least get there once, just to say it. I don't know if you get to keep the crown on Fey, or if you only have it while you're in the tier. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's probably the latter. I'd imagine, you know, you lose it when you're not in the tier anymore, but it would be cool just to say that I got there at least once, right? Yo, yeah. I mean, I have no hopes and dreams of even staying in tier 20, so I've, I can't really relate as much. Yeah, I'm at the point where it's probably time to plus 10 uh, an armor unit, like Effie or Gwen or Sheena someone i kind of just swim around 17 through 19 see some fun teams every now and again and <laughs> try some weird stuff that's about it that's pretty much it yeah no need for me to go up to that scary place <laughs> top of the mountain the forsaken place yeah yeah because i mean the mountain just gets bigger as the corpse pile grows like i don't 
I don't want to know where all these bodies come from that get thrown down the hill. I just want to watch. Yep. That's fair. Let's talk about Grand Conquest. And this this brand new mode. There's a couple new modes that we have to talk about on this list today. But I was kind of curious uh, what your thoughts would be, Cameron, on this new mode and if you like it or not. Um. So you mean the relay defense? No, this is the oh. mode... Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Ground, right. Well, okay. So the fact that I've even mistaken it is a problem, too. <laughs> are you are you listening, Intelligent Systems? Yeah? Okay. So I don't... I'm okay with Grand Conquest. I think it's kind of just a... It's a filler mode. Mm-hmm. I take it or leave it. I don't consider it any kind of premium content. It's just there. It's another way, I guess, for the community to kind of compete against each other. Because we're all sick of... Um, or at least I'm pretty sick of... Um, be gauntlets now mm-hmm. i will say that overall with all these new modes i am surprised and excited that they made so many of them because i kind of thought when grand conquest came out uh that was gonna be a new mode for the next while because we, we went yeah. a long time with just voting gauntlet tempest trial voting gauntlet tempest trial you know all of that stuff over and over and over again so it's yeah. nice to see now that there's at least like four or five things that we're switching back and forth between so i do like that a lot but yeah they do seem kind of fillery there's nothing really that special about them i still don't know how i feel about this mode either especially with like each at the end of each day of the three days Mm -hmm. you pretty much get sent to a completely different map again and you're on a different team most of the time so i guess that could be good if you're getting the crap kicked out of you and then you end up on uh you know a much better team the second time around for those feathers yeah but yeah I i don't know it's it's a weird mode i guess to kind of segue into it since i've already you know mentioned it i think relay defense this new mode Mm-hmm. And I guess just because you know it's been six months or whatever, uh, the mode before it, I I actually like that they implemented it. I think I remember in the last podcast I talked about you know some changes they could make or modes they could make, and it was things like defending VIPs or bases or you know using what's already there and maybe just altering the rules of engagement just slightly. Mm-hmm. I think relay defense now though feels a little bit stale to me and I think that's because they've implemented a lot of other kind of similar modes already and they weren't implemented as well. I think this relay defense is properly implemented as it is. Mm-hmm. But I it maybe it's just me personally but I can't see past, you know, some of these other even just the the individual maps where it's like survive for 6 turns or survive waves of bullets being thrown at you and it's just you know, it mm-hmm. seems kind of monotonous. Yeah. I was glad that they made it so that uh, the enemy team couldn't teleport, or if they teleported, they couldn't attack the same turn as they as them teleporting to the other bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was happy about that. That made it a lot easier to auto-battle. So at the very least, uh, when these modes come out, relay defense is much, much harder. I'll talk about that in a second. But Oh, yeah, it's uh, way harder, too. Yeah. I will say this. They are trying, right? I will never fault them for trying. They, you know, they're still giving us more content in some ways more than we deserve. I don't know. Maybe they just have to keep trying. You know, keep shooting till more things stick. Like honestly, love it or hate it, I think Tat Battle was a good idea in the sense that they tried something different. And I think you know some people might even really like it. I think it's a little too simple for me, and I'm not really huge into the the rhythm aspect. It is also kind of an odd fit for just this series in general but you know it's something something different something kind of new i'm okay with it being there mm-hmm. i think make it a little more interactive because right now i can just sort of open it up slap my fingers over the screen randomly without looking and as long as 
all the dudes die on screen. Like you don't have to match the rhythm or the tempo of the music. You win still. Mm -hmm. There's no real way to see how well you did or compare yourself to, you know, other people, whether it be other players or your friends. There's really no indication as to like how well you did beyond the scale of like, oh, A, B, C, and uh, D. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of arbitrary because it's either you killed all the guys or not. And then, oh, were you in rhythm or not? But if you just want to pass through it, then you can just slam through and, oh, get a C, move on. Right. I do like that. There's no there's there's no extra reward for being good at it. Right. I'm glad about that because they'd probably lock some really nice stuff behind that wall of having to beat the final one, you know, with a decent rank yeah. on extreme. Yeah. What I don't like, actually, is to get S rank, you basically have to yeah, keep the rhythm the entire time, not miss a single enemy. And if you even click slightly wrong mm -hmm. and break that streak, that chain that you're on, uh, you pretty much lost S rank. I hate that. I hate that so much. Because everything else you could do perfectly, and it's just that. That you tap slightly late, or, you know, maybe there was a, a delay. And it's it's kind of like Guitar Hero in that sense, in the actual rhythm games, where, you know, anything could happen really depends on the... the and you can adjust the delay and things like that. But there's always moments where I tap somebody, and I'm pretty sure that it's correct, and I'll miss it, or something like that. I just so. feel like there's not a big enough penalty for over-tapping or mis-tapping. Yeah, that's fair, too. Because you can pretty much just spam it, and, and nothing really happens about that i guess you won't you probably wouldn't get a streak that way but if you want to just even beat some of the harder stuff mm -hmm. you can definitely get through it by just spamming i mean you might not get a streak but you can still get a fairly high score without keeping a streak too mm -hmm. which you know yeah what's the point then of really trying but i think in general though i do appreciate tap battle yeah it was, it's I cooler than i thought i was kind of disappointed in it at first because i thought it'd be something a lot cooler but i like the the variety when they come up with yeah. variety stuff where you can like take your units and see them in a different way or use them in a different way that is cool i do appreciate that i'm disappointed that it doesn't cater to my personal taste but i also understand that it shouldn't you know mm -hmm. it's something new some people really like it and they tried something different so so yeah rival domains is the is the mode that we were talking right, about right right yeah uh, before relay defense and rival domains is basically the maps that Grand Conquest then takes and just puts it on a, a field for you to, yeah. I guess, st strategically pick and capture. I do like the bonuses in Grand Conquest, actually. Those are cool, when they give you like extra attacks for armors or cavalry or whatever specific yeah. unit type it's telling you to use. That's cool. But yeah, those maps in general, I don't, I don't know how I feel about them. It's definitely a really weird experience because you're so used to trying to beat all the in-game content without people dying. Yeah. And then you go into that mode and, like, you have to be okay with losing, like, a bunch of units, like, constantly. It just doesn't feel good <laughs> to play those modes. Not only that, but, like, sometimes just it doesn't matter how good of a player you are. Like, assuming you're not using all of your units, which, I mean, there again, maybe you are if you're, you know, that lucky or a whale. Like, you have to, you at some level, you have to use some other people's units and rng dictates that out of the enemy castle if you in your rotation end up with some amount of like i don't know let's say four or five reds crossing a river and then rng decides i'm going to spit out like five or six blue units out of all the enemy castles there's nothing you can do about it you just have to live with it and because you only have 10 turns there's no amount of strategy that you can really employ to like deal with that yeah, but sometimes throw them in as cannon fodder to get the new units in the rotation. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry so much about having friend units in there. Usually, I can fill out the roster pretty nicely. But yeah, I've also spent money on the game and stuff like that. There yeah. might be people that don't have that many solid units to put to throw into a team. So yeah, that that could easily be a problem. Yeah, yeah, I'm not exactly free to play either. But I, you know, I haven't spent that much, so sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. 
So how uh, how far have you gotten in this new relay defense mode? Uh, I gave up after the second map. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, there again, that was that RNG I was talking about. Like, it, I could probably play it right now and get through it, but there were just two or three rounds where, I don't know, like, the lineup of units that I put out in the brigade just didn't match with whatever the AI threw at me, and I was getting dumpstered. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'll just deal with this later. Yeah. And the rewards really aren't significant enough for me to really, like, muscle through it. Mm-hmm. At least some of them, so. Yeah, I'd agree. I haven't seen what the Abyssal reward is yet, because I haven't done that one myself, but I think I did all but, like, probably three of them. I still have, like, three more to go. Yeah. This is also a very different mode, too, because for the first time, it's like, you don't want to charge at the enemy. You want to hold the forts that you have. Yeah. And honestly, you kind of have to use, like... Defensive-style um, units. Not like pure attackers. Well, yes, but also what I don't like is you pretty much, if you want to really do well and win, and I'm assuming the only way to beat the Abyssal one, uh, I can't really say for sure because I haven't like, gotten to that map to play it yet, but you're probably going to have to manipulate the enemy AI to end up crowding and just standing there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make them funnel into one spot and, and hold them there with somebody on your base. And I don't really like that. I don't like the whole having to manipulate the, the stupid game AI type of stuff, you know? It's something that you see a lot in um, a lot of the Abyssal tutorials on YouTube now at this point from, like, Phoenix Master and stuff, um, who's awesome, by the way, and does really great stuff. But, like, I just hate it when the only way to beat maps is to basically trick the AI into standing in a certain spot that they're just going to be stuck in and standing in and, you know, can't attack you anymore from range or whatever it is. I don't like stuff like that. Like, it should be beatable otherwise without having to, to manipulate it, you know? That's also, it seems like a lot of the you know, PvE in-game content is heading in that direction, especially with the Abyssal stuff and the harder maps. It's just getting to the point where if you enter the map and, like, play normally, you will not be able to win. Yeah. Yeah. I get the playing normally part, but I don't know. I think there is some amount of strategy and thinking that goes into, like, being able to anticipate even what the AI is going to do. And, like, mm -hmm. you have to employ a strategy to make that work. Sure. But then there's stupid stuff where it's like, okay, I know that if I damage this unit... That healer, instead of attacking my vulnerable character and killing them and making me lose, which is what a, a smart human player would do, yeah. that dumb AI is going to instead run all the way over there and heal them, you know? Well, I think the way to maybe solve that is to change the parameters in which the AI acts, right? Because, like, throughout every, every single map and every single mode, they must just use the same blanket programming for all, the AI across all those maps, like... Mm -hmm. They they commit the same functions like you were saying, like, oh, healer sees injured person rather than finish off somebody to get the kill, always heal, target A, B, or C, right? They will always do that. Maybe, like, in some of the other maps, they need to change up the way that they're programmed. So maybe one grand hero battle, the healers just ignore their, their people, and they're like, oh, I'm going for these kills, <laughs> screw these guys. And then, you know, in another mode... Maybe, oh, the Lancers decide not to attack your red books for some reason. Or at least they don't prioritize them. Just, I don't know. Maybe some way to, like, mix it up. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. Yeah. And they don't have to tell you either. Just let you figure it out. Yeah, it'd be cool to squash everyone's uh, expectations when they try to play the map and try to do the normal, like, crap that they do and it's not mm -hmm. working at all. Because you'll see the some of the tutorials on how to be the, beat these maps if you're too lazy to think it out yourself you know there's a lot of thought that probably goes into it or you know a little bit of trial and error mm -hmm. 
and I, for me, that's kind of fun. That's why I try to limit myself to only using tutorials if I absolutely want to like tear my hair out or throw my phone out the window. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much how it's been too. So, have you actually played a lot of the new tactics drills content? That kind of stuff. Um, I have. Yeah, I think it's interesting. But some of the skill studies ones and the grandmaster ones, the later ones, require a certain amount of movement patterns and forethought that I could never come up with myself in a million years. I think it mostly has to do with there are some instances in which, or you have to plan two steps ahead, move your characters forward without attacking, receive attacks. And then like retreat, move forward again, not attack, and then finish it off. Like I get, you know, it teaches you how to play the game differently, I suppose. But some of it is not intuitive at all. Or maybe, I, maybe mm-hmm. I'm just not that smart. It's very possible. I haven't beaten all the Grandmaster ones yet. I beat all the skill studies. That's what I did uh, a couple days ago, I think. Now at this point, so those weren't too too bad. Sometimes you get stuck in this awkward spot where you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I have to go this like route of doing it. I think I made the first two correct steps. But then it's like, yeah, trying to figure out, do I not attack this turn? Where do I place the units? Sometimes with that, it can get pretty tricky pretty quick. Yeah. But yeah, with, with some of the Grandmaster stuff, I'd imagine it's going to get pretty bad. Yeah, and I mean, I don't blame it for being difficult or anything. It's just teaching you how to use characters differently. You know, I guess it's fine. I just wish I was better. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wasn't trash. Yeah, it's hard to change your thinking behind it because you're so used to playing it your certain way. Yeah. And to completely like have a 180 situation where you have to play differently is very strange. Yeah. Or planning more than usual, at least. Because a lot of the content at this point, at least the daily stuff, you can kind of just auto-battle and spam through. Oh, you know? which I do. All the time. Absolutely. How do you feel about accessories being added into the game? Um, I think they're fun. I think it's cool. I don't really use them all that much, just because I honestly forget to equip them. Mm. We are getting to that point, too, where there's just so many things to think about and equip that it's I don't know. It's honestly mind-boggling. I don't think it's that bad. I haven't checked my unit supports in like over a month. What does that tell you? Either yeah. I'm stupid and awful or that's just something that... I mean, it does affect things and it makes things better, but yeah. it's just one of a million other things and in, in so many of those menus that you have to remember to go through and whenever you make a new team, go do it and set up your units. And Oh, oh I've got some complaints about the menus, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I, I don't think adding... Adding more customization to your characters, for the most part, is not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I do like it. I think it's perfectly fine. The only thing that would make more sense to me is if, for these for the modes that require you... I, I think it's mostly just forging bonds, actually. Where it'll say, like, oh, you need these... You need to wear this silly hat to get a bonus. Or yes. you know, if they do something like that in the future, you need to be able to access some of it had you not collected any of it previously like through a mode that's not there anymore kind of like the way that they changed um whatchamacallit tempest trials and getting the new units i don't know maybe i just didn't look at it properly but it seemed like the the forging bonds before this one you had to have like the super special hats to start getting bonuses for like point collection otherwise you just you got nothing until you actually unlock some of them which were like way down the tree for like mm-hmm. a certain character. I see, what, I see what you're saying, yeah. You know what I mean? It it was literally the, the problem that people had with early Tempest Trials where, oh, I don't want to spend 20 years trying to get to the point where I can start using a bonus character for bonus points. I want to get bonus points now so that I don't 
you know, I can do something else with my time. Right, it's like you have to play unoptimized for a little while till you get the correct stuff. Yeah, and if you didn't collect the accessories from wherever they came from beforehand, kind of like the old Tempest Trials, like, oh, you could, if you were lucky, maybe you had a 20% bonus unit, but you certainly didn't have any of the 40% and you weren't going to get them. Mm-hmm. So good luck with that. Right. But I mean, you know, they fixed that in Tempest Trial and maybe now as more accessories are circulating, they can fix that too. Yep. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed with a lot of them because uh, we'll talk about Forging Bonds as well. But when that comes out, I'm so excited to see all the new accessories because I'm like really waiting for some cool ones to enter the game. Uh, I think my favorite so far is probably Veronica's uh, headdress thing with the spikes. Yeah. I like that one. But so many of them, I'm like, okay, this is going to look awesome. I know exactly who I'm going to put this on. And then I go to put it on the unit afterwards, and I'm just like, this is this looks stupid. This is, does not look like I thought it was going to look. You know what I mean? I like the scuba mask. Yeah? The swim goggles. Well, that's a, that's a pretty good one. It's a weird one, but it's a good one. I think they need more fun ones like that. I don't know. The rubber duck and whatever, those ones, I'm kind of like, I don't... Why do I want that? <laughs> fun. I, I get it. Yeah, Someone's going to love that yeah, one. fun. Yes. But I don't think that I am going to willingly put that on somebody, like on my main team or anything like that. So. I mean, like the masks are fine. The eye patch is cool. Mm-hmm. I guess, honestly, I just feel like a lot of the sprites look better without that clutter added onto it, if you know what I mean. No, I get that, too. I Most of my characters don't wear that stuff because I, I like just the original look of the sprite. But it doesn't it doesn't hurt anyone by just having the option there. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Have I seen one that just, you know, blew my mind and I absolutely need it on all my characters? No, not yet, but, you know, we'll see one eventually. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. I'm, I'm like, holding out on some really cool ones. Like, if we got Saber's eye patch, I think that would be pretty sick to put on somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some cool character-specific ones that I would love to get. Honestly, like, if uh, Nintendo wanted to get in on it and be a little cheeky, they could uh, do some crossover content, right? Like a little Mario and Luigi oh, yeah. cap. They could... Uh, they probably could, yeah. You know, some cross-brand recognition. You know, uh, Nintendo, if you ever need somebody to give you some ideas, I'm, uh, I'm available. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, give them, like, the, the little Link cap from uh, the Legend of Zelda series. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be fun and random, so yeah, throw some throw some weird hats in there. Make this like TF2. That actually would be pretty cool. I, no reason not to. I would love to have uh, my Reinhardt running around with a Luigi cap. <laughs> um, a Luigi mustache, maybe too. Yeah, throw the yeah, make it a hat mustache combo. Actually, yeah, and then allow me to put the mustaches on the women. <laughs> That would make my day. That's interesting, yeah. And you can't tell me, like, if if they put it behind some content that you had to work for, kind of like Forging Bonds, you can't tell me people would just, like, you know, sell their souls into the game to try and work towards it. Yep. Yeah, so speaking of Forging Bonds, how do you feel about this brand new mode that we just got? Basically playing normal maps, but only for accessories. And, and honestly, a pretty decent amount of feathers, if I do say so. Yeah, no. Myself. I don't know. Maybe I'm just grasping at straws here. But I felt like it was an attempt for them to try and get rid of some of these like excess stamina potions that are lying around Mm -hmm. like i don't know about you i've got like over probably almost like 400 now it seems like uh no i only have like 330 340 okay but yeah i have an excessive amount of potions and i don't know if the if they even really cared about the stamina system after the first few months but like infinite it's basically infinite stamina out here I don't know what the I guess the original intent was maybe to monetize it differently, or maybe it's just like a safety feature to stop kids from playing it 24/7, which obviously <laughs> didn't work. But yeah, I, 
I wonder if they just included it originally to try and get rid of some of those, pull it out of the economy, if there is an economy. I mean, they, they, they give you plenty of rewards for it, so it's not like they're just here to create some kind of sink, but mm-hmm. the, the forging bonds mode is kind of samey. It's yeah. sort of the same as all the other content. Yeah, it has a new spin on it, and, you know, it's cool to see some dialogue from the other characters, albeit I think the writing needs to show maybe a little more of their personality or backstory. It, it's kind of the same old, like, you know, I'll die for your beliefs because you're the leader. Like, mm-hmm. I you hear that out of everybody. I don't... It's Yeah, it's somewhat generic, honestly. Some of them. No justification as to why you're suddenly, like, their god and they must die for you, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, honestly, um... When it comes to stamina potions, I remember in the very early moments of the game, I told myself, like, I would not go below 20 stamina potions just in yeah, case. Like, like in, that, was my, first, that was my reserve. In the first few months, like, you actually had to conserve because the stamina system was kind of designed the way a lot of phone games were and I think probably still are, you know? Yeah, where you're usually, you know, fighting the clock or whatever to be able to play more. Yeah. So that was... And you monetize that. That was an interesting experience, but yeah, it's definitely a lot more lax now at this point. And also, I mean, you and I are not the the younger demographic that are into the game either. So especially kids on, like, summer break and stuff, they might go through and burn through a lot of those stamina potions. But you and I, like, working during the day, we definitely accrue a lot more now at this point. I think I'm at, like, 170. I'm definitely not at 330 like you are. But I also did go longer. And it's it's not from lack of playing. I play a lot. I don't know. Yeah. In the beginning of the game uh, was when I was doing YouTube full-time still. So I definitely had a little bit more time to be burning potions than you. Um, so maybe that's why yeah. I have a lot less. But yeah, that's my thought on that. Yeah, forging bonds. Uh, I'm down with the new accessories. I like that that gives us basically eight new accessories each time. I'm not always too keen on them. So for example, the last one that we had was for the Brave Heroes. I don't really like the helmets, really. That doesn't really seem like a Fire Emblem-looking helmet that they kind of released and gave us. It's kind of it's unusual. Yeah. It, was a, it was a weird, it's a weird choice. Um, but I don't hate them, and they do actually look good on some characters. So I'll, yeah. I'll give them that. I usually don't like them all. And like to build off of what I was saying earlier, a lot of the times I'm like, oh my god, I gotta have that accessory that looks so great. You know, this time it was the Veronica one, yeah. and then then it had the kind of brave Veronica uh, headdress too, as as the sort of EX version. And I was kind of excited to get that one. I didn't like it after I got it, and that happens with a lot of the accessories I've found. I'm just not too thrilled when I actually do get it. So um, I don't know if that's going to be improved by giving us like more specifically character specific ones that everyone would be excited about that I think would work on more units or otherwise. I'm not really sure. I just kind of wish that they were a little bit cooler i guess because mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's like okay well i can slap a little you know ascrian emblem thing on someone's head but the, like does that really <laughs> look good I don't, I don't know not really yeah <laughs> and i also think there is a slippery slope too you know there's no guarantee that they'll go down the route that i'm about to talk about but with stuff like that it just kind of gives me war flashbacks from runescape like runescape 3 at this yeah, point has basically good. become like fashionscape to the max you see people running around with giant dragons following them around. They're in ridiculous outfits and costumes a, and cat ears. And, that's all MMOs, though. Yeah. I wouldn't attribute that to just RuneScape. Well, I think RuneScape went a pretty bad way with it at this point. And so I'm not saying that Fire Emblem Heroes would ever go in that direction, but I do think that there's a line to cross with accessories that if you go too far with them, it just becomes... Uh, I I don't think I don't we're going to get there. There's a few other horrifying lines they're going to cross way before we get to fashion... <laughs> Yeah, what do you think that's going to be? Uh, well, I mean, 
we're starting to see a little bit of a power. Well, maybe it's not even little. I, I, you know, I do have power creep on yeah, this list of topics to discuss. Power, so if you want to get into that, well, let's all get right. Into if it. you're just gonna ruin the segue, fine. <laughs> Go for it. I don't care. Power creep is a real thing. Um, I think a lot of people freak out more often than not, and things end up being okay at the end of the day. You know, there's a lot of like Reddit outrage when new skills and stuff are announced, and people start freaking out about them, and then it doesn't really end up doing a lot at the end of the day either. I think a recent example of that would be Legendary Lucina's Future Vision skill, uh, which is not inheritable, so that's good. It's only on her. But that was one that people were like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. Like, she gets to move again, all you have to do is reposition her or something. Uh, So I definitely understood the concern with that one, but I think that they did, at the end of the day, balance that pretty well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, actual, actual, like, arena power creep and stuff, Mm -hmm. it, it is getting harder and harder to remain in the higher tiers and that's another thing I, I forgot to mention about Arena as well. I really wish that you could just fight to stay in the same tier. I don't really understand the whole point of, like, hey, you got demoted to tier 17 this week. Oh, you're back in tier 18. Oh, you're in tier 19. Oh, you're back in 18. Like, I wish you would just, like, fight to stay in the tier that you're in and keep getting those rewards for the tier that you're in. I don't really get why, you know, if you don't go to tier 20, there's no staying in 19. You're going to 18, you know? Yeah. So I don't like that. It's also becoming harder and harder, especially for uh, F2P players to be able to make it all the way up there and stay, you know, in tier 19, tier 20, tier 20.5, all that is becoming really, really ridiculous. So I do think that they have the potential of continuing down a bad route. I think that we need a rebalance for that. But I did also see a lot of people complaining about uh, Brave Ephraim with his brand new, what is it, special fighter skill? Yeah. Forget like arena for a moment or, you know, PVE versus arena. Just... Just by the characters themselves, you're starting to see, like, power creep here and there across every tier, every color, every, like, archetype. And in some cases, it's it's minor or it's just sort of side grades. Or it, it's, like, creating a chance for some people to get a similar style of character that maybe they didn't get the first time they tried to pull for it. But then there's some where it seems like some of these characters are just there as, like, planned obsolescence, you know? They're only there to, like, hold you over until they've had time to sort out the next super, like, actual overpowered character. Mm -hmm. I guess to steal your topic from earlier, the Ephraim thing, I don't think it's, like, particularly broken or power creepy in the sense that it's meant to be put on a brave unit. I think it's inheritable. But the fact that you it is. the fact that you just have to earn the brave unit in the first place to get it and then melt him down for it is one thing. It's also merging two skills, one of which is, you know, very valuable and one that's kind of uncommon or not really used all that much at all. I think personally, you know, when they lump skills together, especially the unpopular ones or the ones that nobody uses, it's not really I don't think there's much creep there. It's kind of just trying to make certain things more relevant. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty much the problem with healers in general. They keep trying to put healers into the game and make them more viable, make people want to use them, get them excited about healers. And it seems like the only way so far they've been able to do that is to slap a character that everybody's been clamoring for, give her some bougie, broke-ass staff and some crazy, like, next-level buff skill for her uh, special. You know, I'm talking about Veronica here, if you couldn't tell, audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that she's just, it seems like she's squashed every other healer in the game. I mean, nobody ever talked about how cool Elise was, and now they never will. Because she's gone. She got squashed. Some people did. They realized that she was the best uh, mounted healer, and pretty much the best healer yeah, overall, I think, but, for, for the longest time. 
I mean, they you you try to put all these pe- these healers on the ground. Nobody wants to use them. As soon as you put them on a horse, okay, people start paying attention. But then you after like you put one healer on a horse who's the best, and then you have a bunch of other suboptimal horses. You put on a new one, obsolete all those. No one will ever look back. Mm. It would be cool to get some more variety with the healers and. I guess more of a purpose in using them too, because even with Brave Veronica, I don't think that we're going to see a lot happening with that. I pretty much fully doubt that people are going to be running her in arena and stuff like that. So I mean, I will, but I don't know if everybody else will, because right. I think she's pretty great. Good. Great for PVE content, but yeah, overall, I'm not. I'm not sure. Healers need something else to really help them. How do you feel about the colored? Uh, archers and colored ninjas, colored dagger units. Uh, do not like. I do not like them. Yeah. How come? Uh, well, I don't mind that they want to add more colored units with different methods of play, right? If that makes sense. Like, I guess there's really only melee and ranged characters, so that you know you want to add more unique daggers that are different from the other gray daggers. That's fine. But if the only way to do it is through color rather than just altering the the like, so we'll take daggers for example. It seems to me that the dagger archetype is that you're kind of a usually a slightly higher speed than average, weaker defenses, middling to higher attack, low HP character that has a dagger that has some stupid or really good effect. It's I it's one or the other. It, it's polarizing. It's never just a mediocre one. And then you have minus six or seven defense res slapped on for good measure just because it's dagger. It's very very typical. Some of the daggers have different effects, but for the most part, they play the same. They have the same role, all of that. I like. I actually really like that they added some as dancers, but the fact that they now have colors associated with them means you are limited to pitting them only against certain characters. You lose the universality, which, I mean, maybe that's... I guess that is also different, too, but I don't know. We already have the color triangle, and there's already a lot of characters that do that. Like, playing the color triangle is their thing. I don't think adding more characters that otherwise are exactly the same, you know. Not a lot of value added to that. Maybe I'm just rambling now, but I, that's how I see it. Yeah, I'm not disappointed that they went this route with them, but overall I just don't see much of a difference with them. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more. And I still think that, yeah, their nerfed base stat total is what's really killing them, and you're not going to see them in Arena because of that. Yeah, the the fact that they now... Like, one of the benefits of using an archer or a dagger or anything like that is that they didn't have to play the color roulette game. But now that they're... You know, because they're still in that same archetype, not only do they have the decreased stats for their being in the gray archetype, but now they also have a color associated, so they have to play the color wheel game. Mm-hmm. You know, gray units yeah. don't have to play the color wheel game, so they don't worry about that, and maybe that's why their stats are a little bit lower. The fact that they're protected from that game, but as soon as you force them to play, they could get really screwed in the current meta like that because of the colors. Yeah. The brand new dagger version of Xander, the Dancing Knight, uh, which is, you know, from that recent banner. He is the highest on this tier list that I'm looking at right now that people have rated. He's actually apparently the best gray dagger that there is now at this point, which is which is interesting. But is that because he's a dagger or because he's a dancer? Probably a combination of both, and I'd imagine that he's a little bit um, power crept in terms of his base stat total. But still, his base stat total level 40 is anywhere from 139 to 140. And even with Fury slapped onto him, he's only going to be, you know, in the late 140s, early 150s. That's still, that's not very good. I mean, you know? the problem, yeah, the problem with, again, trying to make certain characters play the color wheel game is then they also have to compete in that same slot with characters of the same color. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but have you had pro- like whenever you summon new characters, particularly of the blue variety, do you struggle to fit them in any team of yours, whether it's a book or a lance? Because I sure blue do. Characters? Oh yeah, hmm. you struggle to put blue books, particularly like blue book infantry or blue book horses or lance horses. Let me. Think. I know I should be saying cavalry. Just roll with it here. It's really late. <laughs> yeah, the, what you would call the Pony Police, my cavalry team, is pretty set in stone with uh, Camus and Reinhardt as the Blues on that team. But Wait, uh, who? Talking about Camus? Camus? Who's that? Yeah, Camus. Who, I don't know who you're talking about. Well, we got the official pronunciation from the Faye Channel live stream. Mm, not Apparently as far as I know. It's, it's Camus trying to adapt. I know, I'm not familiar with it yet either. It doesn't feel right to say that, but Traitor. I'm switching it because... Well, you know what's going to happen is if I keep saying Camus instead of Camus, I'm going to get, like, five comments a day of people saying, like, actually, it's pronounced Camus. (laughs) So, I, you know, a lot of the times the stuff that I do, especially with pronunciations... I want you all to comment below that that's dumb and that it should be Camus. I want you to go (laughs) to the green. Actually, I have been getting those comments. I just released a brand new video about the the Camus or Camus archetype, and I have already been getting comments of people saying, like, I'm not saying Camus. Oh, I know, and I agree with them. Yeah, I, I understand. But a lot of the things that I do with pronunciations, I'm seeking to avoid potential future garbage, I guess, from the community with stuff like that. Like, oh, I, if come I could on, get... controversy drives the fun. Let's uh, go. Oh my god, I'd rather not be that guy that they're like, oh, this is the guy that always pronounces everything wrong, you know? Yeah. To continue off of that, though, yeah, I just I want dagger units to make a bigger impact overall, especially healers too. All the units that people pretty much don't use in arena, I would love to see in arena just to have that. A wider variety of stuff happening and i think i don't think they can well i mean not if there was some kind of arena skills. point well sure we could always get refined weapons or who knows what they're going to do now that we have deathblow 4 which we could get into talking about as well no please. you know future oh, future God. skill upgrades talk about power creep <laughs> but overall like i just think that if the arena points were a little bit more fair and didn't uh, count so much when it comes to unit based at total we would probably see more daggers in Arena, and I think that that would be really great, and that would fix a lot of the staleness of a lot of the game at this point, honestly. Because you just see people experimenting more with other units that right now they probably won't touch yeah. because they don't get enough points. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, Brave Heroes, though. Let's talk about that, like Deathblow and stuff. How do you feel about this second batch of, of Brave Heroes this year? I like them. They're, uh, honestly, my only complaint probably is the uh, Deathblow 4 thing. It's not necessarily that large of a complaint yet, because if they keep it exclusive to her, I'm okay with it. That's fine. I mean, yeah. But it's not. What do you mean it's not? (laughs) It's not exclusive to her. No, no, I mean in the sense that it can, she's the only character that you can inherit it from. I guess I need to specify. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like the only way you can get death blow four on another character is by melting one of her down. Mm-hmm. That's fine because it traps it between or beneath a, a pretty yeah. strict wall at least. But you know they're going to do this with other skills now. I mean, now that they've touched it once, unless the fan outcry is bad, they're going to do I mean, a, a fourth. There again, fourth. that's why I'm trying to be hopeful and positive about it. If they can just, if they <laughs> just keep it, I, I realize it's awful. They put themselves in a very precarious position with that. I think they got lazy. They probably could have given her something else or at least modify the existing death blow to maybe just have an extra add-on skill or something you know kind of like uh like Ephraim's thing right like yeah she could have just well, tacked something else on there's a lot of characters with with character specific skills like uh brave lynn and yeah you know like sigurd people like that that have their own skill it could have been her own skill yeah 
but yeah, no, they opted for for a straight upgrade. And that's kind of scary, too, because Deathblow is, is on a lot of builds, especially Reinhardt. Oh, it yeah. makes Reinhardt even better now. Oh, maybe only slightly. He doesn't even need uh, it. Objectively. But yeah, he didn't need it, and now he's even better. So, well, like I said, I I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that rage a little bit, let it cook for a while, maybe simmer, <laughs> simmer with some some nice Szechuan sauce until we see more. So you see Fury Four? Yeah, well, yeah. If I see Death before Fury Four start popping up everywhere, then you know maybe maybe we have to have a talk with them. <laughs> but I'm I'm okay right now. I don't I don't think it's the end of the world yet. Okay. We don't want to get too salty. They're for the most part they're trying. They're like that's very because we can complain about that one skill, but I mean we're also seeing some other stuff that's really nice, really interesting, new, new abilities. One of the things I talked about in the podcast, I think the previous podcast, or at least I think I mentioned it, was having skills that happen on like different turns, or are activated by interacting with other characters. And last I checked, word for word, it seems like some of these skills do that, like the link skills or the the even odd wave skills. Yep, which is you know. That to me, even though they're simple, they're different. You know, that's innovation. I think that's that's the kind of stuff I want to see in the game. Yeah, I definitely don't like seeing when everybody's teams have pretty much the same builds for most characters and stuff like that. Like that generic build. You know, basically, I like Fury a lot, yeah. but slapping slapping Fury on somebody, for example, you know, that's that's a pretty generically good thing to do for most characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. Whenever we get innovation, that's a lot different, uh, newer, different skills. You know, cool stuff happening. I do like the chill skills. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. And those are starting to become more common on characters, too. So that's going to be fun to keep playing with those. Uh, but that's that was exciting when that came out for me because I liked the concept of it. And I thought that that could lead to a lot of new potentials. And you're taking somebody's B skill uh, for the most part unless, you know, it's built into their weapon or something, which some characters already do have. Yeah. But the, the chill skills in general are usually B slot. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much the best slot in the game that sort of is the character defining slot i would say yeah because that's usually what your build encompasses right there whether it's desperation for that double attack uh vantage to to counter the enemy before they even attack you know that kind of stuff that's usually yeah the the very defining skill so to take that slot and to make it for like a chill skill that lowers enemy stats Mm -hmm. that's cool because that could lead to a lot of new uh tech builds maybe you have a, a tech character on your team that has that skill for your arena team. Yeah. That I like. I like that a lot. And I also like that they're finally coming out with some, again, like with the red, the even odd wave skills. They're finally adding C skills that aren't completely dependent on you building kind of like mono theme teams. Like uh, aside from the hybrid teams that you get with the tactics, which was again that was also a nice inclusion as well. Mm-hmm. To me, that was the only difference. You know, everything else didn't really it, it felt sort of shoehorned or i don't think it works all that well anymore like the spurs i think drive still works like okay yeah drive's good but nobody to me it seems like not that many people use uh spur and hone anymore unless it's a hone specifically for your insert something team here like your flyer team your cab team whatever it's that's fair to say because honestly the the generic hones are just not that good anymore yeah there's a lot of better stuff that's come out and at this point there's so many ploys that the enemy team could have that the hones are just yeah the fact that ploys exist i think is a good idea yeah you can finally do something that's different than that or like threaten x like i you have to be within two squares of somebody so you know Mm -hmm. it seems like a threatened skill was your only other option back then yeah yeah so it's a good change too 
Have you built a tactics team yet? No, I'm. I mean, you know me. I tend to hoard units, and I, I do my team builds in waves. So like, I'll sit down for a few hours and build a few teams, and then I won't touch it again for like a month or two. But I have a lot of tactic skills just sitting in the bank that I need to start using. I've got like three speed tactics. I've got see that's good fodder right there. I don't have speed tactics, so you better you better use that. I've got like five attack tactics. All of it free to play, by the way. Just I don't know. I got lucky. That's because you pulled uh, legendary Lin. That's why three times. Yeah. To be pre- to be precise, yeah. three Lins, <laughs> three Lalinas, and three Lucinas. Legault has the um, attack tactic as well. I'm oh, really yeah. glad that he got demoted with attack tactic as well. That's that was a really yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Let's talk about a very, in my opinion, very positive change for the game: uh, combat manuals. Oh my because... god! Best <laughs> invention. Is you get brownie points for that? Holy! All right, let, yeah. let me let me tell you uh, a story. Uh, a quick little story here. So, <laughs> back in the day, we had, what, 200 slots, I think? Something like that. Was, yeah. that a, was it 150, 200 slots? I don't know. I'm at 500 now, so yeah. I, it's hard for me to imagine that I've boosted it that much, but I probably did. I never thought in my wildest dreams, oh, how could I fill this roster? Like, I pulled, like, three golds, and I was like, oh, man, I have a few bronzes, a few silvers. There's no way I'll ever fill this. You know, I didn't understand what merges were at that point, but hey, you know, I'm never going to get to 200 characters. Mm-hmm. A year later... I'm up to 350 slots now, and that's after they gave us, like, 100 free slots. And every time I summon even one bronze, one silver, and then I always see that stupid screen flash up. It says, oh, <laughs> man, you know, I know you like playing this game, but empty the barracks. I'm not letting you play anymore. I feel like I'm selling off one of my children. <laughs> it is actually like that, isn't it? Every time. It's just, oh, send send somebody to the feather mines. And I don't know, I have a hoarding problem. <laughs> Because I want to keep everybody for the merge skills or the inheritance. But now, I don't have to do that. I can just turn them into a book. Mm-hmm. Just grind them down into a little novella. Yeah, I've surprisingly spent a lot of orbs on slots. And I don't think I'll ever have to do that again. I have two, yeah. I actually filmed an entire video that I think I still will put out. I hadn't gotten around to uh, finalizing the editing on it. Mm-hmm. But it was basically about cleaning out the barracks and about which units are, are fine to send home, which ones are good for what reasons and what fodder and what you should use them for, all that kind of stuff to specifically help people clean out their barracks. Because I know that's been a huge problem, definitely for you, yeah, uh, for my brother as well. So I know there's got to be people out there. I probably freed up about like 50 slots probably. Yeah, just from this, yeah. yes. So that's the unfortunate part is I made that video. I recorded it uh, probably a month or two now ago at this point. Uh, so obviously combat manuals were not a thing when I recorded that. But I think I'm going to just record an addendum to the beginning of the video and just say, like, yeah, you know, when you go to feather somebody, you can just make a combat manual out of them instead. So aside from that, the rest of the information is still relevant. So that is something I am planning on releasing because I know that that was a huge problem for a lot of people. Yeah. Because it's difficult. Like, you, you're going to pull stuff. You don't want to just throw it away. Yeah. Like, there's decent skills. Sometimes you don't need them at that moment, but you have, like, five, you know, Florinas or somebody lying around and maybe you don't need Darting Blow right now. But then someday that time is going to come around and you'll have none left and you're like, ugh. I can't tell you how many times I regret, maybe about seven months ago, I remember looking at my barracks and I probably had like 12 Barukas sitting in there. I don't even know why, I just never got around to throwing her out. And then one day I saw that um, that like tanky flyer build and I thought, oh, that was really cool. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I'll make her emerge 10. Oh, 
I threw out every single Baruka just to make space for these other characters. Yeah. <laughs> and now I just... I wish I still had them. It's painful. It's painful. Yeah. I love that character. People starting the game now are going to live in a completely different world than you and I. Yeah. Well, there's a trade-off because they're also going to... They're going to have a difficult time picking up some of these legacy characters. That's true. Or I guess yeah. what would now be considered legacy. I am happy overall, too, that we continue to get, especially the limited time characters and legendary banners. I'm yeah. so happy about that. I'm really glad that they haven't like discontinued anybody for years. Yeah. In fact, I think Camus or Camus was probably the worst example of that. Well, I mean, years. The game's only hasn't been out for two years yet. But I know, but some of these gotcha games, like you won't be able to get a character for at least a year or two before they do a rerun or something yeah. to, get, to put them back out. So I'm glad that we're not going in that direction with this. And that way, like, honestly, it probably makes more sense for you to save your orbs until they show up in the legendary banner, and then you have that higher rate. Oh, that's, yeah, that, that's what I do. Yeah, you could get one of the other two instead of them, which would stink, but uh, that higher rate is, is pretty solid, actually. So, there's a trade-off. But yes, I'm glad that you can pretty much get whoever you want, and you don't have to really worry about it if the banner passes now. So, that's great. Yeah, yeah so combat manuals, though. That was a great addition. I like it a lot. I cleaned out my barracks with the help of that, absolutely. I also like that I can still ship those books to the Feather Mines, too, if I need to. Like, Right, right. Yes. They just... That that change should have come sooner. They did a good job, though. That was a great one. Yeah. I'm really happy about that one. Yeah, well, okay. So let me segue into this, this part of it, though. In order to create these manuals, I have to hit my Allies button, the Manage Barracks button, the Create Combat Manual button, Yep. And then in order to create that manual, I've got to go through two more menus. One is a confirmation, and then the second one was another confirmation, just in case I wasn't sure about the first confirmation. <laughs> and it speaks more to just kind of the recent uh, UI changes they've made. They keep moving around where everything is. Like the ally growth tab is now separate from the change equipment or the tabs within, like, yes. change equipment, manage barracks is now its own thing with some separate things. Okay, it's fine that it keeps changing, I suppose, but sometimes these nested menus get ridiculous. Yeah, it's getting pretty bad. There's a certain amount of, like, mind remapping that we have to do whenever they change it for each couple updates or whatever. Yeah. I click the wrong menus all the time, still trying to find stuff a lot of the times i'll go into like the ally menu expecting to be able to equip accessories to my allies in there yeah nope you got to go into change equipment you know yeah so that's that's a learning curve i guess we're gonna have to figure out but like i guess to me some in i don't know maybe it's just conditioning but some of this stuff isn't very intuitive to me like if i go if i want to change an ability on a character i have to go through the change equipment menu mm -hmm. but like fury three to me is not a piece of an equipment right right it's a, yeah it's a skill it's an innate skill on your character why would you it's not the same thing as like slapping a sword on him or something right i yeah i get why they did it this way because it does make sense yeah maybe it's just a petty complaint of mine but it, it, you are still technically equipping something to them but yes my mind was the same way at first i was like wait a minute why is that really i think why is this in here? i think it's just because it it keeps changing that i can't like nail down or be happy with any one version of the UI. Mm -hmm. On a real note, though, I am glad that a year, and I think about, maybe not six months, but about a year and a half into the game, we're still playing this game, and we're still talking about it. So that's pretty amazing, I think, because my interest has, you know, it's it's waned sometimes, and it's returned, but overall, like, we're still 
invested in this game, and I like that a lot. How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not really shocked that I still like it, because I guess it just speaks to how much I really enjoy just the franchise, like the Fire Emblem series as a whole. Mm -hmm. Albeit, I'm not like the most knowledgeable or probably the, the greatest super fan or anything, but just I think I would love it even if some of the content were even a little worse. Maybe that's just setting the standards really low. Mm -hmm. But I'm also glad that the, the standards aren't that low and that it is also actually a good game. At least I think so, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured that we would get tired after a while of just the same grind over and over and over again. But they have done a good job of keeping it interesting and with the new stuff coming out. It's been good. I think some people who, they enjoy certain aspects of the franchise, but are kind of more into the game than they really are Fire Emblem. I think those people are starting to feel fatigued, maybe a little alienated. Let's say people new to the series. I mean, there's definitely some characters from like the first three games or the first four games. I have never, like, you know, maybe I've seen their names or their, their art in passing, but I could not tell you anything about them. I have no idea who these people are. Mm -hmm. I can accept that they're like Fire Emblem characters and they should be loved all the same. But, you know, for people who are slightly newer to the franchise, I don't see how they, they're they going to keep interest with it. And they, they start to feel the fatigue of some of these samey modes. Yeah. Fire, like, if they're not being 100% sold on Fire Emblem, maybe they're being sold more on the game itself. And then the game starts, you know, in their eyes deteriorating for them or just it doesn't hold the same interest that it used to, then those are the people we're going to lose. Yeah, I think that's a fair... Fair assessment. I think you and I are kind of, we see it in, with a bit of a, like a set of rose tinted glasses, maybe more than others. Right. Just something to think about. Yeah. And I think. Which is fine. I like those glasses a lot, but just, I, I can sympathize with other people. I have a few friends who are kind of getting fatigued of the game. They've been playing mm -hmm. it for over a year now. Right. And that's bound to happen, especially too, because like a lot of the people that play the game that weren't into Fire Emblem beforehand, like they're not going to know a lot of these classic characters coming into it. And a lot of these new banners, it's not usually just intelligence systems coming up with what the meta needs at that moment. Oftentimes, they're just trying to stay true to the character yeah. or give them something new and exciting. And so it can definitely seem like very saming with a lot of the new banners that come out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they do like weird stuff with these banners, too, that like weird decision making that it seems strange. So Oh, yeah. The, like the fact that they threw they uh, made Eric a, a horse mage with Gleipnir. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like little things like that. Like, to us, that's like, what? what is this? Like, what? Why? I guess it's interesting that they made the change, but why did they do this? And then to someone else, it's just like, ah, it's just another red book horse, whatever. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's a big difference. Well, I think a lot of fans were also upset because you took uh, Gleipnir, which is supposed to be canonically, it's, it's not exactly Knowles, but that's what most people gave it to, so... She kind of took the spellbook from someone else who would have been like a, an actual new unit. So yeah, that, that's unfortunate. I'm glad you're explaining it to the lay people out there, but that's exactly what I mean. Like to some people, they're going to have no idea, no exposure to it. They're, they're not going to understand. And I think it's those people who might be playing it more for just the game itself. You know, they're, they're not there just to enjoy maybe the nostalgia or the, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something special about seeing the characters that you've always liked enter the game get new updated artwork it's like them getting special attention that they've never gotten before because most of the characters if they're lucky they had their art drawn the first time and the only time by the artist right yeah somebody made their sprites for the video game or their models or whatever and that was it that's the end of it so now to see this amazing updated art of all these characters brand new skills and new life breathe into them it's awesome but it means nothing to somebody that doesn't know fire emblem you know 
outside of like, oh, here's a new like waifu character or you know husbando or something because they're attractive, you know. Yeah. So I could see that. I could definitely see losing interest if you're not a huge Fire Emblem fan. Absolutely. I think they need to try and address those people too, if, any way they can. I don't have that advice, but I'd want to offer advice more than just make the game better or fix your game modes because I don't think that's fair. But I don't. I couldn't yet suggest constructively how to draw some of those people back other than just, you know, minor modifications to the modes that already exist. Yeah. Honestly, though, too, as a as a little bit of a complaint to add on to this, I actually have an article open on my phone. Fire Emblem Heroes revenue reaches $400 million worldwide. So this game is a huge cash cow for Nintendo. This is their most successful mobile game. It's doing amazing. People are spending a lot of money on it. One of their only mobile games. <laughs> well... I mean, they had Mario Run and, and the Animal Crossing Pocket Camp and stuff like that, but Who? they are nowhere what? near. Are those real games? Not as real as this one, apparently. But yeah, so like that revenue, that's great for them, right? But personally, I do kind of feel like they're still running. I don't want to say like a like a skeleton crew, but like I think that they could use a little bit more of that 400 million pumped back into the game to come up with great new stuff. And it kind of just still feels like you know, pretty much the way that it's been since day one with a lot of the content that comes out. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's fair to say where that money's going or where, to assume where it's going. We've got a pretty good idea that it's not, obviously not all 400 million is going back into the game, but I don't I don't know if it's fair to say that, ah, oh man, they're only throwing like 1% back or they're, the content's limited because they're not throwing enough money into it. I don't think we really know. Yeah, but I just feel like, for such a big, like, number-pushing game like this, we could get a little bit better stuff that comes out of them, you know? I don't know. I'm just trying to think about it. Like, that's just how I've been feeling for the past while. It just kind of seems like oftentimes we'll get bare minimum. Whether it's the new mode that just takes, you know... You know, like, Grand Conquest takes uh, the rival domain's maps and just puts it on a world map where you can pick which area you want to go to. Yeah. Does a $400 million game equate to that amount of effort? Probably not. You know, I think we could get slightly better quality updates and stuff added to the game. And I think that we're kind of not getting it. And I'm not complaining overall because I still love the game. But I just think that since they're making so much money on it, they could stand to put a little bit more back into it. And I kind of feel like they aren't. And of course, obviously, I can't articulate how much they are or aren't. But just personally, I feel like a lot of the stuff we, we get is pretty basic still. You know, I mean, for me, again, rose tinted glasses aside, if you look at look at it from the outside, you go into your Google Play or your Apple Store. It's a free-to-play game from Nintendo, and it's a phone game. There's only so much you can, like, really expect from it. Sure. You know, like, the fact that we've even gotten this much, you know, support and content from it, I think that's amazing. It's the reason it's, like, so highly rated across the board. But at a certain point, regardless of how much money they're actually making behind the scenes, I don't think you can expect this to be, like, an actual full franchise release like they put on a console or a, a handheld device or you know like a proper well i shouldn't say proper gaming device i guess your phone could be but you know what i mean like a traditional game system i don't think it's i don't think you can compare them it's not the same that's fair but i don't know it's... i think it might be an unfair comparison i just feel like there's some things like for example how long did we have a maxed friends list at 20 characters can can you send any kind of message or anything to a friend in the game no, still. I don't I don't think I can sit here and justify some very questionable design choices. Again, I could complain about the UI all day. <laughs> but in terms of just adding I guess the difference in modifying what's here versus adding more content, 
I can't really blame them for adding more or less. It's really, I can only criticize what's already here. At least I think that's all I can do. I don't think like the rate of new stuff needs to increase and it shouldn't decrease necessarily. But I think there's just a lot of improvement they can make to the stuff already there. Yeah, and I guess what I'm saying is I just feel like we should have gotten it by now, especially because it's raking in so much money. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. That's just my, my hot take on that. Let's talk about book two, because book two finally came to an end. It was pretty exciting because they actually released a whole trailer and everything for book two. A lot of brand new characters added into the game, uh, original characters for heroes. And uh, we finally reached the point where we've gotten to the end, and it felt kind of rushed. How'd you feel? There's a story? That's Yeah, it's a solid reaction, because it's not great. No, no, no. It, yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, it, it was okay. I mean, for me personally, I sort of got what I expected. They they went somewhere different from book one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I liked it more than book one, actually, just because it was like a new setting. The characters they used were different, but not a whole lot to say about it. I think the, the writing was simple. I, I, I don't fault it for a lot of these things. The writing was simplistic. The, the themes of it, you know, in terms of like, oh, the betrayal here, or like, certain characters making sacrifices for their loved ones and the political struggle, at least at a very, 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 very basic level. They were all there, and they should be there. Pretty standard fare for Fire Emblem. I'm not disappointed in it, but I'm not impressed either. It, it's just kind of a neutral feeling. I, I don't take a lot from the story, nor do I really even rate anything about this game based on the story. You know, it's just a nice little add-on. I almost want to just say no comment about it. <laughs> it's just there. It's nice. It's where I get some orbs sometimes. Yeah? Is that that the goal of it? (laughs) I mean, for me, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to sit, you know, there's no reason to sit there and knock it. I mean, yes. They have to appeal to a wide, like, audience, but I think for us it's just been overall a pretty lame story. You saw the plot twist coming from a mile away, right? Like most people? Which obviously, you know, if you're listening to this segment and you haven't played to the end of book two, spoilers, of course, but... Yeah, with the whole Loki shapeshifting as one of the people in your group. I, I will say I was pretty sick of that plot device being used a lot. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, oh, whenever, aside from the actual big bad, whenever the, the antagonists or a single antagonist needs to mess with the protagonist in some ways, rather than, like, I don't know, develop the plot further or add a new angle from, like, political intrigue side or the, you know... The struggles of the dudes on the ground. Let's just throw the shape-shifting boob monster in there and <laughs> rattle everything. Just another, oh, haha, I got you. Clown mask taken off. Now I'm running. I'm done. I'm done with her. Get rid of her. Yeah, oh, so you don't like Loki at all? Well, I mean, she she seemed okay for like the first few uh, chapters, but she's just overused. She's not. I don't even see her as a real person. I literally here is like a, a plot device yeah and, i guess that's fair to say that and like a very lazy plot device when the fan theory started coming out that somebody in your team which was um uh, what is it ilgir mm-hmm. the little boy fjorm's brother uh was loki i was kind of hoping that they would take it in that interesting direction because to be honest the plot up to that point was incredibly generic and stale so at least that would give like a little something juicy in there, even though people saw it from a mile away. Yeah. So overall, I'm glad that they like stuck to their guns and, and did something to make the plot interesting or turn on its head a little bit. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't surprising when it happened. It was, you know, by the time you got to the couple chapters beforehand, they were making it like screaming it in your face that something was basically happening. So yeah, honestly, I want to start a hashtag, hashtag Surter did nothing wrong. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Dude was just trying to do his own thing. Everybody started complaining, got in his way. Dude, he killed Gunthra. I mean, yeah, but... I like, I like Gunthra. She's also now a useless character. She has no story, and she's done she already. Did anybody else? I mean... Well, at least they get to continue on, and they might have a smidgen of story by the time it's over, okay? She literally got, like, probably, like, 20 lines, and then she died. I mean... How's that feel? I don't know. I like the idea of, like, a giant flaming meatball with an axe rolling around, just conquering the land, doing doing his thing. <laughs> it, it was different. Right, not for Fire Emblem in general. There's a, there's a bunch of, like crazy mad men conquerors going around but for this game you know there was it took off a, a very small amount of the the training wheels the the kitty elements just a little bit because he was such a cold-hearted i mean comically so and don't get me wrong he was a completely like one-dimensional character of like i want power and i want to kill people mm-hmm. but the fact that they let him go as long as he did i enjoyed I don't think that the uh, the Askrians or the Askarins or whatever they're called, uh, they, they didn't have a right to stop him. I think he uh, exercised his right to... Uh, <laughs> to conquest? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was within their right to stop him, but uh, I don't think they had any justification. Interesting. I mean, we can't, we can't really prove that those towns actually burnt down and those people were killed. We were only told that off screen. I'm pretty sure they said they saw it with their I mean, own eyes. Maybe they just got sent away to, you know, some other part of the kingdom. Like to a farm or something. <laughs> Through the magical fire teleporter? I mean, listen, you don't know what happens when people get engulfed in those flames. Maybe they do teleport. Yeah, and their screams are helping enhance the magic. I mean, nobody said it's like a painless process. Maybe it's like a little <laughs> thumbtack or something on the way there. And they're just big babies about it. You never know. Okay, gotcha. Even even when it's like ice people that are melting. Listen, listen. The fact that you decided to plant your ice kingdom next to the lava kingdom seems like a gross oversight. I. <laughs> All right. I don't. In terms I don't of know like they did that. In terms of like choosing real estate, you could have made some better life decisions. I think they implied that he just conquered everything up to that point, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Serta did nothing <laughs> wrong. All right. Let's talk about. Upcoming skills and upcoming stuff that's been added to the game. And then we'll start off with the lighter note, because there's a, a heavier one that I will mention. But it has been revealed through data mining, thanks to all the data miner guys out there, like uh, Kaz Kiragiri and, and those guys. Thanks, guys. Uh, Garen is going to be the next Grand Hero Battle. Garen being the pretty one-dimensional evil father character from Fire Emblem Fates. And I know you played about four chapters probably of fire no. emblem fates so you probably you probably know who i'm talking about i know who, right yes i know who you're talking about he's literally first chapter of both games it's just i yeah i don't know how to feel about it yet honestly i'm looking at this list here uh and there's some things i didn't even know were things so you're gonna have to fill me in on them yeah so he's gonna be another red dragon character a lot of people assume that he was gonna be a green axe um you know based on what he wields in the game so that is interesting. We're finally getting a Red Dragon character that isn't Tiki. So I'm kind of stoked about that. I like that. And I like fleshing this out. That's one of the things that I think I mentioned in the last episode and I've been talking about for a while. Like, there are not a lot of Manakeet characters in the Fire Emblem franchise. Yeah. So we're going to get to the point where we start getting, like, final boss enemy characters as Dragon characters that we could probably recruit. That's going to be cool. Well, okay. It's not that It's not that there's not enough Manakeet characters 
It's there. There kind of aren't. There's like two max per game. No, there are. It's just for whatever reason they're not afraid to throw them in all the other franchise games, but they refuse to put them in here. I'm talking about them cat people. I'm talking about them bunny people. Oh, werewolf okay, yeah. dudes. That hawk people. The, you know they got plenty of material in terms of the the morphers, whatever. I don't even know what they're called or what the the general term is. Morphers, morklings. Mm-hmm. Transformers, Optimus Prime, one of those things. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, they have plenty of, and you know, some of them just by their character design, some of them fit perfectly in the color wheel. I don't think they're gonna be lacking in the mannequin department. They just need to be brave enough to put them in there. Okay, so you're you're, but you're grouping together the the Dragonstone mannequins. Yeah, I think as part. Of I think everything else. I think we need to get past the point of dragons. You know, can only be the only like morphers in this game and just change the title to like you know the morphers you can still have all the weapons be like oh effective only against dragons or only effective against cat people or whatever rabbit people i don't even remember how many types are in there anymore mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah at this point maybe that adds a whole nother level of complexity unnecessary or not but there's there's things they can do yeah absolutely i'm with you on that i've been wanting them to add like toggle or Lagoose characters for a long time now i still don't know why they haven't done it Maybe they're waiting for like a new uh, app version, maybe like 3.0 or something like that to do something like that. Honestly, I, I would like to see them as a separate entity when it comes to the classes. I, I wouldn't really want to like put them with the Dragon Manakeets personally. Uh, I don't know how they would do it, if they would have to be colorless at first or whatnot, but it would be cool to see them. I would like to. I mean, at this point, if we're adding colored daggers and bows, like what's to stop them? Yeah. yeah I, it's that's what That's what I don't get. Like, yeah. like to me, if you... If you change the the dragon class to just be like the general beast morph class, and then you have all the red morphs, the blues, and the greens, that to me would make more sense all of a sudden than adding in red, blue, and green daggers and archers who are all colorless. Or at least that's what we assume the class type was. Right. Like there were no colors yeah. associated with it. Yep. It's a weird weird move weird choice but yeah overall so then to to clarify then there's not a lot of dragon people in the fire emblem series and a lot of them because dragons tend to be the final bosses most of them are the bad guys so whoa racist dude they're not all bad (laughs) hashtag dragon lives matter yeah whoa dude anyway a lot of them are final bosses so i am excited for that because we are running out of like actually playable uh, dragon manakeets to get in the game so i would be super stoked to start seeing uh some more of them sprinkled in there and they're probably going to be a lot of grand hero battles and stuff like that so garen is kind of not my first choice that i would have added for that but it makes sense with the norian banner that we just got so i'm fine with it and i think it's cool that we finally got another red dragon so i like that i'm just gonna have to play it no opinion i i don't really know what he's capable of because i haven't gotten there yet and uh I clearly haven't looked at the data mine because I didn't do my homework. So <laughs> we're going to find out. Yeah. I got nothing. Also, thanks to the data mine, we found out that uh, Levitain, Legyarn, and Helbindi, the three uh, Muspel enemy generals, are actually being added to the... Is that how you um, say those? That's my, my pronunciation, my assumed pronunciation. Okay. Since it's... Uh, Norse, the J in Legjarn should be a Y, so my assumption is it's leg yarn. I don't know, I could be wrong, but that's my initial thought on the names. But yeah, those guys are being added to the actual uh, hero catalog, which means that they're probably going to be recruitable. And it definitely seems that way because of the way that the book two story ended and left off. So 
There's also an upcoming slot for a new banner in a couple weeks, I believe. So a lot of fans are speculating that that's probably going to be uh, an enemy general banner consisting of Levitain, Legyarn, and Hellbindi. And we've actually found them in the data mine, and they have some interesting skills that are, a lot of people are getting very, very torn about. So I wanted to make sure that we discussed this today. So I'm going to read one of these here because uh, I didn't remember it off the top of my head. But it looks like Hellbindi is going to have a skill that grants HP plus 5. And if the unit is 5 stars and level 40, and the unit stats total less than 170, treats unit stats as 170 in modes like Arena. So just like we were talking about with the whole base stat total, certain units needing some power creep, uh, this is going to be a way to do that. And personally, I don't... This could be the perfect solution for that, like what we were saying, but I'm not sure yet. So uh, so the, the rest of the description reads... Higher scoring opponents will appear. Stat total calculation excludes any values added by merges and skills. So it's not a perfect solution, but basically there is a straight up power creep. And this is an A skill, by the way. So a, a brand new power creeped A skill that you can give to someone that will instantly uh, treat their base stat total as 170 for arena purposes. So, and I mean, maybe you don't have all the information because it's just... A limited data mine. So you're saying that with that skill, their BST is assumed 170, but do they actually get the stats associated with that? Or is it literally just taking the character as they are stat-wise and throwing them in as if they were 170 in there? That's a good question. Because to me, that, that sounds kind of like you're playing a hard mode character, right? You're basically throwing some chump who's at like 140-something BST against a bunch of 170s. He's going to get steamrolled. Why would you do that to yourself? Well, maybe it could be good if you wanted to add like a dagger dancer to your team, but couldn't before due to the, I you guess, know, the points. You yeah. weren't getting enough points. I guess that, yeah, I guess that makes sense for that specific situation, but for the rest of it, like what, what's Hellbindi? Like he's an axe guy, right? Yes. He is. Yeah. Um, last I checked, axes generally don't suffer from, you know, BST sickness. Not really. I don't know what my highest infantry axe is for based on total. Maybe but... not, you know, as high I as I mean, some armored others, axes, yeah. Armored axes. As high axes as some other fine. ones, but I don't know. Oh, and this skill, uh, by the way, is specifically for infantry. So they're going to be probably class restricted too, some of these different skills. Uh, but there's a commenter here that actually made a, a solid comment that I wanted to mention, which is basically why wouldn't they just fix arena scoring instead of forcing you to equip a brand new, you know, A slot skill to fix their broken system, basically? Which is fair, and I think that's where a lot of this outrage is, is kind of coming from, because it's like, okay, well, here's a skill that fixes the, the issues of the game, but they, they could have just went behind the scenes and just rebalanced it a little bit better. Why do you need this? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people are, are getting upset and, and disappointed with this and just accepting that Arena might be beyond repair and you know not in a good way, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be doing the proper things to fix it anytime soon. I do think that this skill is positive in the sense that if it allows obscure units that people aren't using right now to be seen more often in arena and get some actual use, that's great. I'm always for that. But yeah, I do agree. And I think that they could have went a much better route in fixing the uh, arena issues for sure. Now we're going to address some questions right quick. Uh, the first one is from... So Ryan, aka Keyblade Master 333 He's been a longtime patron of the channel. Thank you, man. He asks... What playable units and heroes do you wish were better units than they currently are? And that is a great question. So really just who needs some weapon refines? Because it seems like that's the only way that they can kind of... A little bit, yeah. ...existing units, right? Yeah, I'm not going to say a whole class of characters. We did talk earlier about, you know, how I feel like uh, the ninja 
characters could use a bit of work, you know, any any classes that yeah. aren't used, healers as well. But to pick a specific unit, let's see. You know, I wish Saizo was a little bit better. That's I'm going to pick that for now because he could use I a know. little something. His attack stat's pretty lame. You kind of need like a plus attack Saizo if you want to do stuff. Otherwise, you're going like, what, double Savage Blow or something like that just to do the, the chip damage. Um, yeah. yeah, he could use like some kind of a special custom dagger or something like that. That's that's who I'm gonna say. I'm not entirely certain what they should give him. Maybe a dagger that has a attack plus three built into it just to give him a little bit more offensive power. But yeah, I wish he was better. I love his sprite. He looks cool. I've been tempted to five star him. I just know that I'm probably not gonna use him if I do. Currently, it's kind of hard too because some characters, if they don't get a weapon refined, they just get an all new version of themselves, right? Like we're on our third Ike. Um, yeah. Some people get. Some people get brave reincarnation. Some people just straight up get put in arbitrary positions, like you go from Nino to flying Nino. Yeah. <laughs> Erica suddenly has a random red book that she magically acquired from somewhere on a horse. Yep. Stuff like that. So, if you had to pick one, what would be your choice? Uh, um, like, who's a character that you love, but they make you sad in Heroes? Honestly, male Robin. Oh yeah, really? I, I think when he first came out, he the utility that he provided from everybody... Like, he was one of the only Raven Tomes that you could, like, acquire. Yep. And he was... Back then, I think... I don't know. Was he exclusively gold? Or maybe he was a five and a four? He... Now he's, like, a three and a four, right? I feel like he might have always been a three after the beginning. Yeah, he was, uh, a, maybe, th- he was a three know. very quickly after the original banner or whatever. Yeah, I get... Um, I realize he's, like, a, a blue mage and he's not supposed to have like a high bst or anything but he's he's just so underwhelming now for this character that's supposed to have some like great utility and i realized they gave him a christmas tree and turned him into an armor unit but i want to go back to just like the original character you know give that book an upgrade or like i don't know Mm -hmm. the stats are just a little too low to do what the raven tome originally was set out to do Yep. Actually, on the tier list I'm looking at right now, he's listed as the only blue mage that is in the B-plus tier, and the only blue mage characters that are beneath him in this particular tier list, if it's to be, you know, followed and believed, uh, May, Labrachelle, Ursula, and Sias are the only blue mages that are beneath him. Everyone else is above him yeah. in some capacity. So, yeah. he. And, you know, I understand he's just outdated, but maybe that's the reason he needs, a, he needs some love. Yep. Because he was one of the OGs, and... He's just falling to the wayside. Yep, absolutely. All right, next question. The Deal Sealer asks, what do you think of something like the old school capture system maybe returning for Fire Emblem Switch? Also, join Glade Clan and vote Glade, my guy. Uh, this is a Glade fan <laughs> who uh, a lot of people were trying to vote into Heroes from Choose Your Legends. Um, he got some votes, but I don't think he did that well. Someday, yeah. someday we'll see him. But yeah, the old school capture mechanic in, in Switch, I think that's kind of cool. Um, they kind of had the capture mechanic in Fates to a degree. I didn't use it very yeah. much, so I can't say too much on it. But I did think it was cool that you could actually capture some enemy bosses and then like coerce them into actually joining you. That was pretty cool. I like that. So I'm Listen, I'm man, all for that. Maybe we see. Maybe if we're lucky, we see it in three houses. Right? Yeah, maybe there's a cool enemy character, and instead of like talking to them on the battlefield, which doesn't make that much sense. You I mean, pretty much we've already assumed now that it's it's going to be Game of Thrones the anime. So right. if we just, if we assume, like in Game of Thrones, there's a lot of people that get 
you know, kidnapped or captured, and then they get brought to the other side through, you know, talking or enhanced interrogation techniques, well, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. torture, whatever. They, you know, you can convert them that way. <laughs> Maybe it happens. Yeah, so I think we're for it. Sounds good. Uh, I'd be interested in that. I like those little mechanics like that that differentiate the games and add, like, just an extra little layer into it. Because uh, I think it's been kind of sad without stuff like rescue and, and things like that. We've felt a little bit limited in the past while, I think mechanically wise when it comes to certain things. So it was cool to see it in fates. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. I honestly just want the ability, if we could capture them to set up like a death row. And then oh anytime, anytime, no, seriously, every <laughs> time you see a unit with like killing edge or like, you know, somebody, some unit, you know, that, the devs put in there with like a 40% crit chance just to, and like with pass just to screw you over. They're like, oh, we put him here for a reason. Put that guy on death row, <laughs> capture him, jail him. No due process. <laughs> Get it, give him the axe. Gotcha. You, you'd have a lot of fun with that system, I could already tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Caleb from the server asks just a question for future podcasts. What other holiday would you like to see in Heroes? And he's got other questions too, but let's start with that one. So I guess for like a holiday-exclusive banner that we don't already have, what do you think, Kim? They do a pretty good job, but... Yeah. Well, I guess the question is, do we have to assume it's sort of a un- like a culturally universally accepted sort of holiday? Like, is it a... Are we talking a Western holiday? Is it a holiday specific to Japan? Yeah, I see where you're going with this. Is I don't it- know. Like, how do you... We do have the, the New Year's characters, you, and that's a, a... I'm Yeah, do you make it up, I guess? Do you make mm-hmm. up a holiday? I don't... Yeah, I guess if you have a particular one in mind, you could throw it in and add it. It'd be interesting. Because, yeah, the more I think about it, they do pretty much cover everything. They got, uh, you know, the New Year's stuff, spring, summer. Uh, for fall, there's basically the Halloween banner, and then we have the Christmas banner. So, you know, we've got yeah. most of the basics. And then, and then we get, like, some... You know, odd events here and out, like in Golden Week, for example, mm-hmm. you know, over in Japan, we get some kind of, you know, I, it's really just like a reward. It's like just some nod that, oh, yeah, Golden Week's going on over in Japan. Yes. And that, it has no real relevance to us over here, but, you know, yeah, the fan base across the board gets it. So I guess it's like, how do you implement that yeah. if it doesn't culturally make sense to you? Well, I think, you know, for this example, if there's some uh, one that you like, why not? <laughs> like... And I'm just thinking, like, if we were to implement Fourth of July, for example, oh, oh that'd be that awesome! Not, That's a good one. That would that would make no sense though to the rest of the world. It wouldn't, not really. Like they, they would know what it is, but it it wouldn't really do it for him, you know. It wouldn't, but oh my god, would I love to see like Crom in like a American flag, an American flag cape, yeah, yeah something like that. Maybe he's got like a grill for a weapon with like sausages <laughs> on the grill or something. Oh. <laughs> Somebody with fireworks as a as a magical spell book. Oh, that'd be sick. That's really cool, yeah. actually. I like that. But something like that. But it, again, it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I guess di- discounting whether or not it makes sense for the entire world to get the event. Um, and that's the thing, too. Like, they say, oh, this is the spring event as opposed to, like, this is the Easter event. Right. And it just, some of the characters are Easter themed. They're like, you know, this is the summer or the fall event rather than, like, you know, this is a specific festival in japan or like the i don't know what you would call it the solstice elsewhere like Mm -hmm. it you know they're pretty good about keeping it you know universally understood i thought of a really awful one but i don't know if i want to share that one 
Ah, go for it. <laughs> you can always edit it out later. A Black Friday banner. <laughs> oh. Ooh. They would have, like, I don't know, really awful stuff, like a baseball bat or something to push other people out of the way so they could get... I didn't, I didn't say it made a lot of sense. All right. Let me, let me <laughs> think of a real one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's not really... Sometimes I, I've been thinking St. Paddy's Day could be fun, a St. Paddy's Day banner, but I don't know if I want to see, like, Noe or, like, Lissa dressed up as a leprechaun. I, I would probably prefer not to see that, so maybe not that one either. Um, I don't know. I think I think they got the holidays pretty down pat, honestly. I know there are cool holidays they have in other countries that might be interesting. Uh, actually, uh, how about um, what might be cool, now that I say that, is, like, a Mardi Gras banner. I wouldn't mind seeing characters in, like, interesting costumes that are different than Halloween, obviously. Maybe with, like, some masks, a little bit of masquerade happening. That could be cool. I'd be, I'd be kind of down for that. Hmm. Maybe, I mean, it's already passed, but maybe something like... It would obviously be out of season two, but something like an Olympic or a sports banner, like the World oh, Cup. Oh, that, yeah, that'd be cool, too. That's a good idea. Like, yeah, the World Cup's over now. Not that I'm <laughs> dating this podcast any further. And um, Japan doesn't get the Olympics until 2020, but, you know, something like that. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I could see, like, Ryoma as a runner or something like that. Somebody's got, like, shot put or pole vault. That's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. You got, like, uh, Robin as a referee, and I don't know. Mm -hmm. Marth could be, like, a pole vaulter. Yeah, you got to think of a female character now. fan service here really quick. Um, What are the females doing? Oh, how about, um... Who hasn't shown up in a while? Because it's I mean, same few, someone right? else could use an alt that only has one version so far. Um, what's a fan favorite female that we've only gotten one of? Oh, let's just make it Charlotte because she's never going to get her real base character. We'll make her like a tennis player. Okay. <laughs> a gold digging tennis player. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I like that. And then the, the tennis uh, should be a green axe, right? Tennis racket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that a lot. Let's do one final question. This is uh, another part of Caleb's. Uh, I'll save the rest for a future installment. But what story improvements would you do? So what would you change about the Fire Emblem Heroes story to make it better? We'll oh, man. Well, and this is this is not to put down the existing story in any way, but you gotta we got to step away from everything that's already happened now. And I guess now they can since they pretty much just ended the book too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, okay, so here's to be honest. Even though I like read through, I didn't quite 100% 100% understand the resolution in book two towards the end in terms of like all these characters meeting each other. I, it, I'm trying not to spoil it, but at the same time, does anybody really care? If they listen this far, they probably pass the other spoiler warning, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But has has Asker been invaded yet? Like, act, like properly? Not really? I know in book one... I get this vague sense that they're like, yeah, we got to fight the, what What are they called? The other guy? Amblians? The Amblian Empire? The, those guys, yeah. The the other faction. All right, maybe, maybe we're going to change the lore here to make the two sides more compelling because you can't even remember the enemy team's name. Yeah, maybe start there. They need to, there, there, there needs to be some world building, I think. Okay. That's fine. I, I, I understand why... They left it as generic as they did because they're trying to cram a cre- like a full-fledged Fire Emblem story into just a few chapters of a book or what they deem chapters are in a book. But really, I think it's time Asker gets invaded, a bunch of stuff burns down, and they got to defend the home turf. Hmm. 
the idea behind going to these other worlds and like taking them over or rescuing or liberating these other people that are under the uh, the Emblian control. I remembered it. There you go. <laughs> They're always on offense, right? But I think in any story, like any Fire Emblem story, there's got to be some times when you're put on the defense. So mm-hmm. get Asker gets attacked, sure by the Emblians or some other arbitrary faction that they whisk out of another fire and ice portal and it's kind of hard because it's like how do you make a realistically the only way i see it getting better for me personally is if they mature the story a little bit and i know that's going to be hard to do Mm -hmm. because it's supposed to be somewhat simplified even more so than like the other games yeah yeah i don't really know what they can do i mean that's not a bad start so some lore revamps yeah um i don't want to just outright suggest retconning but yeah, you know they. Some of the things they've written don't make sense anymore. I think if I had the ability to retcon it, I would change the whole uh, Bruno thing, and I would have just removed that entirely. That was. Yeah. I like the character. I don't like that it was so obvious that it was their long lost friend the entire time. I don't like that at all. Yeah, um, I'd probably put some interesting dynamics in there, like maybe finding out that Veronica is actually. Uh, like a bastard sibling to the Ascrians that was like thrown away. I was away. just thinking that maybe they're like yeah. related in some way by family. So some good. I mean, that's not necessarily good, but you know, some. I try to find a way to make the plot. It's better than enticing. Where it's at. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do some cool, good plot twists that people don't see coming for chapters at a time, uh, and just make it more interesting in general. Aside from like, I understand at the end of the day they they have to add new maps for these new characters they're pumping into the game to be in. And they have to have basically excuses for that. But instead of just, oh, hey, I am just got someone to this random world. Now I'm in this contract. Uh, hey, fight me. I would probably come up with some other way of incorporating the characters. It also doesn't really make sense either because it's like, okay, now we're in, uh, you know, Muspel or something like that, walking around these, like, fire pits. And you have, like, Lewin that pops out of nowhere that's sitting there. And he's not even, like, yeah. with an army of, like, his own people or anything. And it's like, they just need okay. to arbitrarily throw the new banner characters in there. Like I, I, I get it, but, yeah, it's weird. And then sometimes you have, like, mixed banners and stuff, too, where, I don't know, you just end up with some weird combos. They need to definitely illustrate, like, in the next few chapters, like... Oh, both of these armies are collecting random people from other worlds, so the next few chapters should have only named faced characters from all those worlds. No more random Joe Schmoes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get you're trying to put new banner characters in there, but I want to see in mass just a bunch of like named characters. Yeah, I mean, maybe the banner character has a line of dialogue at the beginning still, but actually, you know what I just thought that could be interesting and could be cool is what if because of the whole portal time travel shenanigans, what if you actually ended up in the games where the characters are from and you're, like, inhibiting or changing the the plot, the storyline with those characters in some battle that they're in or something like that? You know what I mean? So you get to experience that character's original game, like, one part of their story device because they're in some famous battle that the character's from or something, and you mess with it because this is Heroes and things are, kind of you know, kind of getting remixed a little bit, and maybe there's a different outcome or something like that, you know? Yeah, but then you're walking into some real sci-fi, like, some sci-fi paradox time travel garbage where, like, you know, oh, you messed with my timeline, so if my past has changed and I'm here now, then, you know, maybe that character vanishes. I mean, our character 
our entire castle is consisting of a sci-fi timeline of people from different dimensions, basically, right? Everybody yeah. is from, like, but, different but points in okay, time in their no. stories. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I don't know. I see what you're I, saying. Yeah, I, I personally would just stay away from messing with plots and timelines like that, right? Gotcha. I just thought it would give a nice little tidbit of like, hey, here's some backstory behind this character and like where they're from instead of like, oh, he's walking yeah. around a lava pit and that doesn't make any sense with the I, character. I think you're right that they do need to do more of that, but yeah, I mean, it'd be maybe. tough. It wouldn't be easy. But. They go out of their way to give you a snippet of their world and their story already, like the last, you know, however many chapters of book one, and then you just go in and trample all over it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that's, that'd be cool. That's retconning. Because it, it also seems like the Emblian Empire, they don't really do anything. They'll just go into the world, bind people by contract, and that's it. What if they actually like mess stuff up? Or, yeah, what if they messed up the timeline? That's literally the author handing you a sword and a torch and saying, go retcon my story. <laughs> well, what if like, what if the Emblian Empire went to these places first and messed up the timeline and things were messed up now because so-and-so died and they weren't supposed to die? And, like, you got to fix it somehow. Of, they sort of already did that, except for the whole, like, dying and drastic change part. Like, they went in there and enslaved them, right? Well, yeah, but it's pretty much just just that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not here to just shoot down your stuff <laughs> or anything. I'm trying to rationalize it. I, I got you. I got you. I think that'll just about do it for questions. But, yeah, I do agree, and I think that they could have went a much better route in fixing the uh, arena issues, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about, actually... To, uh, to leave the Fire Emblem Heroes topic for a moment is Fire Emblem Three Houses, the brand new Fire Emblem Switch title that yeah. was just recently announced a couple months ago. It's coming out in spring 2019, uh, barring any delays, and we got our first trailer for it. So what are your thoughts on that, Cameron? Because I haven't really talked to you too, too much about that. Yeah, so it's it's tricky because generally when I see um, a game like this that I'm excited for, I really try to limit myself in terms of how much I... I see a bit like I want to go into it really fresh. I mean, I, I did see that original trailer, mm -hmm. um, and like right off the bat, you can tell they're try they're definitely trying some new things different from the previous titles. And I'm kind of maybe they weren't implemented exactly the way that I, I would have personally wanted or thought of, but there were a lot of parallels to some of the things I asked for in the the previous podcast that I thought were really interesting. So. Mm -hmm. And those things would be? Um, Remind the audience. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's been so long. The uh, <laughs> I think the army the army thing was the one that really stuck out to me. Or at least trying to, to create the feeling that you are backed up by like a lot of people that also believe in the same cause that you're like blue-haired boy or blonde-haired girl do. Or, you know, I guess now their hair colors are different. But you, you know what I'm trying to say. I saw in the trailer that everybody's running with like a squad now or like your your assumed health pool is the collection of all those other cannon fodder units that are behind you, the main character of that squad, right? So, mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's just for Lords or if it's for everybody, but it they're trying to immerse you in the idea that some of these named characters are now leading groups of people. Because one thing I complained about in the last podcast, it felt odd that in all these different games... You have like 30 or 40 characters, like named people that were in this so-called like army that you were rolling around with, but you only ever saw these 30 or 40. Yeah, they make mentions that they're in like a large army with the supply train and the mm -hmm. people doing this and that, but like you never really got a sense of it. It was just these like 30 or 40 people. In some cases, you felt like you were just living in a tiny like moving frat house on wheels. 
<laughs> and so yeah i think with this you get a little bit of a larger sense of scale i do like that concept too the thing that i'm afraid about is that what you're mostly seeing when you enter the battle screens is just a lot of generic dudes in the background fighting well that yeah and so that that's where i get into the the fact that i don't know if i agree with how it was implemented 100 percent. it seems like there's a lot of just copy pasted cannon fodder units to kind of fill in the ranks they all have the same animations it seemed like maybe i mean you know it, i guess it's still a work in progress so we don't really know yeah but absolutely if i took a bit of a cynical perspective i'd have to imagine that it's not going to change much from that yeah most likely and i hope that the graphics get improved too because they they didn't look bad but from what i was expecting to for next gen console game for the switch mm-hmm. i was hoping it'd be like significantly better than path of radiance and it just maybe it's because it's cell shaded yeah. it just doesn't look that amazing but honestly stuff like hyrule warriors and uh super mario odyssey they look great so I'd love to see like a great looking Fire Emblem game. Yeah, and I mean going back to the squads, I don't think they need to necessarily, you know, put out a ton of art for like each individual squad member needing to look unique or different, you know, different animations or anything. But just add some small amount of variety. Like maybe have I don't know out of a squad of thirty guys, maybe even make like three or four sprites that are different. Mm-hmm. And then kind of just randomly assign each character one of those sprites, yep, or like one unit in the squad of that sprite. They would do it would yep. do wonders for it. Absolutely, and maybe slightly different animations for each one too. Yeah, even just like slight adjustments, like maybe some people are left-handed or like they mm-hmm. slightly different. I don't know, color blue of their helmet or something. Just little things. I totally little, little agree. things yep. matter. Yep. How do you feel about this whole kind of Game of Thrones almost approach that they have with it, with the three houses? Yeah, so that was the other big thing that I touched upon, or at least, I, that's it's what I see so far. Obviously, I don't really know, I guess, but it seems like they're maybe trying to improve the way that they present political intrigue, because usually the way it works in Fire Emblem is there's like generally two large factions bickering with each other. And they tend to drag a lot of these other, like, smaller or larger factions into the war, you know, through alliances or, you know, just through happenstance, it seems like sometimes. You know, you spit on another lord's shoes and all of a sudden they're like, oh man, gotta join the fight. (laughs) But it seems like there's a bunch of different political players that this time that actually have, like, skin in the game. Or maybe um, you'll see some kind of reasoning or justification as to why these different powers are, you know, in it. It's hard for me to describe. I just feel like you get a sense that some of these nations actually matter now. Like, they have banners, they have colors, they have characters that represent them that are more pronounced than in the previous games. Because sure, there were characters that flew under different banners, different countries, but they would just say, like, Hi, I'm, you know, character X from this country, and I'm joining you because we're allies or because reasons. And then that's it. That's all you really get out of it. Yeah, so you're hoping or you're feeling like there's probably going to be a lot more depth and, uh, I guess, lore behind each of the nations. Yeah, and that's not to say that you don't get some of that world building through like their support conversations, but the fact that you kind of have to do a lot of work to get there, whereas maybe it would help the player to kind of get some of that background info up front through the main story, you know, I think that would be a nice change. Mm-hmm. So far, I like what I see. I, I like it too. It's definitely different than what I was expecting. What I'm wondering though is that so often we see that like uh, Japanese culture and a lot of these games like can definitely be inspired by Western culture. 
So I'm honestly wondering if like the developers like watched Game of Thrones, uh, and and got like oh you, you think there's like a direct parallel? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's just what it seems like with the whole houses thing, the three houses. Honestly, um, if if they do, I'm fine with it. I I love the show. I think it's well written. Go for it. <laughs> I mean. You waiting for them to do some red wedding stuff and fire emblem? <laughs> Look, don't tempt me, but I, if they want to go that way, I think it's okay for them to at least try. Whether or not they succeed, who knows? But they're I, they're trying something different, so I can't blame them. I don't fault them for yeah. it. Yeah, I'm hoping that the new, uh, at least battle formations and that kind of stuff, is actually going to add to the game. Like they actually make add it... a little death rather than just sort of. You know, be like a binary yeah. pick this or this for one linear feature like oh spear formation versus line formation gives you like plus one to defense or something versus plus one to attack right yeah right and actually actually have some meaning but at the same time i do still want like enough of the classic fire emblem in there so it doesn't feel like a completely yeah. different game you know what i mean yeah and there's no real indication yet as to whether the main character is going to be an avatar character but if they go that route again, I would be okay with it. I just hope that they're not a major force mm-hmm. in the story. And it does seem so far from what I've seen in the trailer and, and the materials, you know, the text that they've released online and stuff, it does seem like that character is going to be like more of a teacher yeah. character to the three other uh, lords. So I'm really hoping that the game doesn't revolve around this character, especially if they're a player character. That's my hope. I really hope. Um, mechanics-wise, that they tone down any sort of gimmick they try to apply to, like, map strategy. What I, what I mean by that is in some of the older games, like, like let's go with the rescue mechanic, right? I think rescue was a great option that players had. and you know, It was, yeah. It let you change up how you played certain maps or how you, like, placed your units on that map. But I don't think that the rescue feature really drove the way that the game was overall played, right? Like, the, a lot of the map strategy did not revolve around you using the rescue thing. Whereas if you look at something more like mm-hmm. Awakening, where they had the pair-up system, you would, I, at first glance, you would think, oh, it's kind of similar to rescue. It's just another little gimmick that, you know, you can have units kind of boost each other. You can condense the total footprint that your squad takes so that you can cram them into tighter spaces. But... In that game, it seemed like a lot of the play actually revolved around it. Like, if you wanted support conversations or to receive certain characters through those conversations, you had to pair them up. And, you know, your play almost completely revolved around pairing up people more than just playing the game Fire Emblem, right? Did you get that at all? Okay. Um... Or at least it, it seemed like there was too much focus placed on that rather than just the pure and simple core mechanics I see what you're saying. Does that make yeah. sense? I mean, there were still times where I think it was more valuable to have more units on the field, and so pairing up wasn't really the best option. So I liked that. I liked that they didn't invalidate like being mm-hmm. alone. But yeah, they definitely uh, you know shield that new mechanic pretty hard, and I didn't hate it. But well, no, I, I didn't either. But I I think in some ways it yeah it there were some things about it like for some people it, they would say it just outright broke the game. In some cases, it just it was just another gimmick that distracted you, and some people really liked it. But I think the fact that there was so much focus placed on it took away from just the core mechanics, even if only a little bit. And I'm worried that because we're seeing such a drastic change, at least I feel like we're seeing a drastic change with three houses, like adding squads or you know formations. If 
if some of these changes really do have an effect, are they going to be so gimmicky that we lose sight of like what the original game was supposed to be? Yeah, I got you. I hope it's good, and I hope that there's at least some sort of online features or something, because you know, PvP is not the biggest thing in Fire Emblem, but I think it's a shame to have a portable console like the Switch and not have like anything mm-hmm. like that. So that's another hope of mine. But I also did make that Top 10 Hopes and Desires video, so a lot of that stuff we still haven't found out yet whether or not it's going to be true. But I'm still obviously hoping for all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it remains to be seen. And I hope it's good. So the final actual topic that I wanted to discuss today is actually Crom being in Smash. But you were telling me beforehand, <laughs> you didn't actually know that, that was a thing at all. No, I don't care about Smash at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I didn't care about the last incarnation of Smash. Because I guess I was uh, more, I guess just sort of disappointed with some of the choices that they made. But this time around, I'm extremely hyped, and there's only one more thing that I could ever possibly want from it. How am I supposed to trigger the Discord if Crom's in Smash and I can't tell them he's not? What am I going to do? <laughs> I, I don't know. You'll have to come up with something uh, else, I guess. I, you know, I can understand the people that are upset because here's another Fire Emblem character being slapped in, another sword user who pretty much looks like everyone else. Uh, so No, screw, screw them and their opinion. This is a Fire Emblem channel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I also see it from their perspective. There's a lot of Fireman characters now at this point. There kind of don't, doesn't need to be that many Fireman characters in the game. But personally, I kind of always wanted Krom and Smash. You know, I played Ike a lot. So Krom, I think, kind of usurped Ike a little bit. Uh, at least design-wise, I really like the, the design of Krom and his fighting style and everything. So I was excited to get a chance to play him. And now that that's a reality, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, Krom is just a more sophisticated Ike. Whereas Ike is just some kind of, like, dirt-eating barbarian at this point. <laughs> at least that's the way I see it. Uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. A little bit. Sure. Don't, don't kill me. <laughs> You're gonna get some Ike yeah. hate mail. The only other thing that I would want to see in this new Smash... The last thing I'm holding out hope for is going to be Isaac from Golden Sun. And a lot of you guys know that because I've been tweeting about that. Uh, And there does seem to be a pretty popular fan presence in bugging Nintendo for it at this point. So I'm kind of stoked about that. Um, And there's a couple clues that we've gotten, actually, that might hint that there's a possibility of it. So I'm actually really excited. And uh, it finally seems like there is a glimmer of hope that Golden Sun could come back in one form or another. So I'm excited for that. But overall, I'm just glad that it's finally Krom's time to get into Smash. Because, as that Lucina trailer said, uh, it wasn't his day before. And, you know, maybe his the time will never die. Stay strong. And, well, it's it's his time now. So, I'm glad. I'm happy about that. And to wrap up this episode, uh, usually I kind of wanted to do the waifu thing. And hopefully in, in the future episodes, I have some uh, great people that I would love to bring on as guests for future episodes. So, if you guys are excited about that, uh, I'm hoping to do that moving forward. But because we did the waifu game last time with you, I don't want to do that again. What I'm going to do today is actually ask you to kind of quickly, you know, without giving you too much time, theory build one unit that you would love to see in Heroes and kind of give them their stuff and what you think they should have and why. Oh, so Go. Oh, God. Start with the character. Who do you want to come to Heroes more than anybody else? Uh, okay. Um, oh, um, I want Harden or Hadin. Oh, okay. Uh, Harden? Like, no, like normal Harden? Because we got super yeah, mega yeah. evil Harden. I want regular Harden. Is it Harden or Hadin? I, I don't know. I, I probably would say Harden. It's, it's, probably, it's probably Harden, sure. 
Hadeen. That's funny. I don't know. He just he looks like a Hadeen. <laughs> he does actually. Anyway, yeah. So I want the regular one. I, it's nice that we got the the super evil one with his like red Darth Vader armor and all that. But let's go back a little in time. Yeah. So what are you gonna give him? Uh, see, he didn't have any standout weapons that I remember. No. So I guess that means we would make a custom one, right? Or at least I, if I think if he's lucky. Look, okay. You know what? I'm the new developer. I get what <laughs> I want. We're not slapping a silver sword on him or a, a Wodow. We gotta okay. gotta be creative. Um, yeah. So are you going sword or lance for him? Oh, actually, that's a good point. I think he might have had a lance. Yeah, he. Yeah, I think originally he. No, he. Uh, no, he started as a uh, with a sword and a lance. I think. Let's let's see. I think it was a silver. Let's... It was a silver sword and a maybe just an iron lance. He had a steel sword. He was steel sword. In in the remake, steel sword. Oh, and, okay. um, yeah. In Fire Emblem Three, the remake of one, he had an iron lance and a steel sword. So and he could use both. So technically, could be either. But in the uh, in the update, no, he had a sword. Thing, yeah. All right. So, so sword cap. All right, we'll make him sword cap then. What would you like to see on him? Like, are there certain skills that we haven't gotten on cavalry units that you'd like? See, the thing is, I don't. I guess it would have to be cavalry specific, huh? Probably. He... Well, so yeah, he shows up. Maybe, maybe he shows up pretty much like not entirely with cavalry units, but I want. I would want something that like showcases his leadership ability, right? Okay. He's supposed to be like the big bad or not the big bad but this crazy smart fighter guy who's holding out in his little fort and you know you see him and there's supposed to be some kind of awe inspired right like oh this guy's famous i I guess so (laughs) i don't know that's when i when i first saw him that's what i got out of it i mean he's got some great people in his crew yeah he comes rushing out with uh roche Violand is, is one that nobody remembers, but yeah. Sedgar and Wolf, Wolf and were incredible yeah. unit. Yeah. So I something that showcases his leadership because people clearly dig him, right? So mm-hmm. he definitely. I would say that of all the A, B, and C, and or even the weapon, that the C skill needs to be like the real, the primo thing that everybody wants, or like the it, it's what the the build should be put around. Because anybody can have, I guess, just be a sword cav. We have a, a lot of sword cav. Yeah. So, like, what specific skills, if you could craft, would earn him a spot on your cavalry, your pony police team, like, permanently? Oh, okay. That, that might... what, what are we looking at here? That'd be a better question. What would I want on my pony police team that I don't already have with the sword cab? Yeah. So, are you still using Xander? I am, and I use him as, like, a, a tank character, really, more than anything. Okay. Not the best. So tank, he'd probably but... replace your Xander, right? Yeah. And I think he is kind of a tanky character, so looking at more of like a defense heavy than Rez. Um, I mean, that also makes sense character-wise because pretty much everyone was allergic to magic yeah. in the first couple of Fire Emblem games. So. Yeah, yeah. God. He's honestly, looking at his stats right now, he's, he's pretty balanced right out of the box, so he's not like... You know what I would do? I want to see... In- this might be kind of controversial, but I would actually include a mobility skill for cavalry. Okay. Kind of. Uh, this is theory crafting, all right? Just, just roll with it here. Okay. I want to see something similar to, like, flyer formation or maybe, like, the utility behind armor march, if that makes sense. So, like, okay. with armor march, 
yes, they get to go, your armored characters get to go an extra square if they're paired up with, you know, other armors. But the real killer in it is that they can just roll through forests like the regular terrain. Mm-hmm. I think that okay. that is probably more impressive to me personally than just the fact that they get two squares. Because they could have just made a skill like armored boots or something where like, oh, they get to go one square, but they move like infantry. But the fact that they mm-hmm. left that little nugget in that you can move through trees, I think is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Or like with flyer formation or guidance, those kinds of skills. It's not just that you can approach another character from however many squares you are away to the closest adjacent square, you can get to the opposite side of them. Or you can you can choose where to position around them. I think that's a really big deal. I think mm-hmm. cavalry might need something like that, but because they already moved three squares, it maybe not something that gives as much mobility as like flyer formation. Yeah, I gotcha. Maybe something like armored boots or armored march where they're allowed to walk through trees, but they can only move the one square into the trees like they stop at the trees right mm-hmm. they have the ability to access trees but they can't go beyond there's a lot of new uh anti-cavalry terrain and arena yeah. and maybe it could help them actually get through that and tackle oh because that that's that's nerfed them quite a bit honestly let's go back to something like have like a built you know maybe a shout out to the rescue mechanic have a thing where they're able to fly to another unit somewhere on the map or maybe it's like within a cardinal direction or something just make it Add a little flair to it, and they're able to like swap or reposition or just figure out a way to like displace another unit from where they currently are if they're in danger. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. It all sounds really vague, but maybe that's <laughs> that's a way to go about it. Okay, so some kind of a movement skill. Yeah. Is he going to be more of a utility character, more of like a tank? Do you think? Uh, like you said, he's kind of like well-rounded, so I guess utility really. I mean, he seems like a, sort of a jack-of-all-trades character, despite what his, like, red Darth Vader version would have you believe. <laughs> maybe he's somewhat intimidating, so maybe his B skill is, like, chill defense or something like that. Lower yeah, just defense. something simple for B. Like, he's nothing super special. Yep. And I, I think a lot of, like, characters that are leadership-focused are... They, they don't have any crazy personal skills that makes them really stand out. It's more about, like, the support and utility stuff that they provide to the team. Okay, gotcha. Uh, what about his sword? What are you going to give him for uh, a sword? At least, like, bare minimum. Yeah, so distant counter's definitely out. That's lame. We don't want... Even though that's <laughs> what is expected, I don't know. Just melt down your Hector and throw distant counter on his A. Just, that's not my problem. I got you, um, yeah. I don't want to just say, oh, take one of the already existing ones and slap it on the sword, but... Uh-huh. Maybe that's what you do. I guess uh, Faustion already took the the Spectrum Rally, which I, I'm kind of a fan of. I wouldn't give him... Oh, see, that would be cool. Yeah, if it was a utility character with some kind of a, a special horse movement skill and then also a horse buff built into his sword, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, so, I, you yeah. know, I guess that does make sense because the rescue mechanic wouldn't really often be used on other calves, so it would only affect, like, infantry or maybe flyers. Hmm. And just anything lighter than the cav, right? Or okay. I guess, because yeah. there's no way to really gauge constitution, right? So Yeah, not in heroes. you got to find some other way to do it. And I think it's really just by, not even weight class, it's by movement type. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I, they shouldn't be afraid to maybe alter the movement of cavalry. They clearly don't have a problem throwing uh, trenches everywhere. But, you know, there, there's, there's got to be some way to spice it up. Yeah, I mean, even if... 
Even if, like you said, they had access to forests, at least for one tile, that opens up a whole new realm of possibilities, because sometimes you get stuck with your horses yeah, when you're you trying to, that, like, reposition you somebody. You one extra square, and you just can't find yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that would be really cool, actually. And it's not like horses couldn't normally traverse the woods in literally every other game. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, how, they, had, like, they had issues, but they could. The forest... <laughs> The forests in Fire Emblem Heroes have these, like, horse-shaped nets. So anything smaller <laughs> than a horse can just walk through them. But as soon as a horse walks through, like, it's the perfect shape of the horse. It just catches them. It's out. Gotcha. And then, I don't know, for his... Uh... Well, if he's allowed... I mean, at this point, you've already given him a bunch of stuff. If he's allowed a special or a, a um, another utility skill, like, swap or something... Um... Well, I guess you would have to give him swap to make his C make sense, right? So, yeah, give him reposition or swap or something like that. Because mm-hmm. I'm not really into power creeping into, like, future vision territory or anything like that. Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. For the special. I mean, we could just go with the standard special. It doesn't have to be. I would give him a softened version of the Fire Emblem. Like, the new, uh, the new Marth. What are you talking about? You know how the new Marth has that... Um, has the actual fire emblem as his uh, special, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would want something similar, yeah. again, to sort of... It's got kind of like a similar spectrum rally effect, but it happens after combat. Okay. If there were a way to, like, really tone that down, you know, something like that. Maybe make it, like, a something like that. Mm-hmm. In a special, though, that's interesting. Yeah, something where, like, you activate utility for other characters on special... So you like you can kind of choose when it activates, and that's kind of important too. Because if you if you're applying like a hone buff or a, um, even like a a passive stat like a spur, you don't really get to choose when that happens. It it happens whenever whatever's written on the the tooltip. So if somebody rolls mm-hmm. in with like panic ploy, or you know even when you debuff somebody and then they get harsh commanded, like there's nothing you can do about it, right? And I mean you know in terms of the enemy team. Mm-hmm. You don't get to choose when that happens. So that allows you some utility and like choosing when that buff is applied. It changes the order of operation. Yep. I like that. Sounds like a cool unit. I don't know. There's too much pressure. <laughs> no, I think that was actually ended up pretty solid for a on the spot kind of question to ask. Oh, uh, real quick thing too. Uh, in Harden's art, um, I definitely need to see like the proper mustache. He's got kind of the. In his Darth Vader art, the mustache is a little bit off, and I just need to clarify that <laughs> I, I need to see, like, the proper mustache. I don't want that garbage that I saw with, like, Ella Wood's eyes or, like... Oh, right, right. You know, oh, so Gwendolyn's, so for the artist. Yeah, Gwendolyn's right. body type with the, the pencil waist. I need to see, like, <laughs> proper facial proportions. I need that curly length of mustache. The rest of it could be done in, like, MS Paint stick art, but I, I need to see that mustache. Gotcha. All right. So done by a fairly competent artist. That is one of the better well, ones. I don't even think that sure. the other ones were incompetent, but it's just the choice. They had to make some safer choices. Sure. I think if I had to pick someone right now, I'd probably go with Brunya, who is honestly pretty similar looking to uh, Sonya for Fire Emblem Echoes. Yeah. And uh, built pretty similarly to, I mean, based on her original stats, uh, pretty low defense, pretty high resistance, and pretty... I guess you could say average sort of speed. I mean, her speed isn't even really that bad in in the original game. So, and I'm kind of over the whole 
Uh, it's almost like the Arvis family line type of characters, like Julius and all of them. They're pretty slow. They have tanky res, and they also have a ploy as their C. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to continue that trend, uh, even though I guess there's probably more space if, if she's a blue mage, you know, for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I probably wouldn't go that route. I'd probably like to give her at least pretty solid speed, maybe not the highest speed of the bunch, but also some pretty decent resistance and obviously some solid attack too, because I don't want her to be... Uh, you know, hitting like a wet noodle or anything. For a weapon, I would hope to give her uh, Fimble Vetter because we haven't seen that in Heroes oh, yet. Yeah. And love that, I love that, that tone book. Yeah, it's a cool one. Um, as for like what it would do, maybe that would give her a couple extra points of speed so that she's not like, uh, you know, busted or anything and she does get just a little bit of extra speed. I don't know. I, I kind of see that book as more of like a tankier book, right? Because when I think of it, I think of like you're throwing, you're literally throwing a blizzard at somebody. Mm -hmm. So you're like weighing them down with like winds and snow. I I would think it's more like plus, probably plus res, but like plus res or defense. I see. Now, that, yeah, that makes doesn't sense. really fit with her per se, but yeah. Well, I don't know. so the reason why I said that is because she came with it in her original game. Yeah, um, she was an enemy character, so you never got to to get her. But that was her original tome. Otherwise, like other than that, she had bolting. Mm -hmm. And actually, if if we were to give her that for heroes, I mean, obviously that would need some serious rebalancing to make that work in heroes. But that would be really cool if there was a mage character that came out that had uh, an attack that could do three tiles away, you know, maybe for reduced damage or something like that. But the way heroes works is then that's their only attack. So I'm not quite sure how to make that good. Yeah. That... But I do think it would be interesting to get into some cool territory with units where we do have a mage that can attack at a different range or something different is going on with that. So yeah, either bolting or Fimble Vetter as her weapon. Uh, I'm not entirely certain what I would pump into that, you know, as an extra stat boost or extra effect, but something maybe Desperations and Fimble Vetter or something like that. That would be really sweet, really solid. So if any uh, if any IS devs are listening right now, here's a here's a little theory crafting idea <laughs> to kind of make that work, right? If we, if you want to throw bolting into your game, maybe, and this adds way this adds a lot of complexity. But you put Flora in this game. And I read the tooltip on our weapon. It's a paragraph. So you clearly have yeah. no problem now writing paragraphs <laughs> for your tooltips. So uh -huh. try to explain this one. You have a, a two-stage weapon, bolting, where the first stage is just your standard basic, like, I don't know, Thoron Tome or whatever the heck passes for a whatever color book it is, right? Base, you know, just vanilla, basic attack stat, range two, call it a day. And then to get your range three... You have to meet some other condition, like this character's stat X needs to be buffed to this threshold, or debuffed to this threshold, or kind of like the link skills, you need to have like a, a support skill applied to them, like rally or something, like a movement skill, in order to activate that phase two of the book, which then turns mm. it into the range three. That's interesting, yeah. Like it, it adds, it requires more like multi-character interaction and allows you to have weird effects like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Just a thought. That's pretty cool. For a C skill, I'd probably continue the trend like with Ishtar. Maybe I'll give her uh, one of the odd or even waves. I'm not sure entirely what she would probably give, but I think from a team-building perspective, it'd probably be pretty good if she had if she gave people defense, yeah. you know, to help out the, the other probably, you know, frontline or physical units in your team. That would be solid. And as a B skill, doesn't really matter whether it's, 
you know, if Desperation isn't in her book, you can leave that it. would save some fodder. You could leave it blank. Not all characters have all the skills. That's true. Although a lot of the better characters we get nowadays have a pretty full kit right out of the gate. But yeah, yeah something something like that. But I'd love to see Branya, and I'd love to see some of that stuff that we haven't gotten in the game yet. So that'd be awesome. I don't I don't think that my Harden would have an A skill. I think you could just throw whatever. Yeah, he's got a a plus res 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 plus three A skill. <laughs> no, just like not. It's blank. <laughs> Fill it in. I guess. Okay, he's got yeah, a crazy okay. special and a C skill already, and the swords probably. Yeah, yeah, but you see, right. you're you're like trying to balance it, and they're they don't bother doing that anymore with, with with character kits. <laughs> I don't think that's true. They just give you like ninety percent full kits at this point. Yeah, I guess for it, the good for the good units. It's true. Well, you know what? It, you can definitely tell who's going into the gold pool and who's going into the silver pool at this point. They don't right, even. So I guess it's saying. fair. They don't even try in that regard. Is, is Harden getting? Is your character that you just theorycrafted getting demoted to four stars? Oh God, no. Yeah, see? <laughs> but that yeah, man, that's a that's a cold reality. Too that's too <laughs> real, my dude. Although, that would allow you to plus 10 easier. That's a cold shower I was not ready for. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to wrap up the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to let us know any topics you'd like to hear us discuss in future episodes, be sure to leave them in the comment section down below. And, uh, and yeah, thanks for coming back, Cameron. Hopefully next time we'll grab another guest in here and have a, a triple threat occurring or something like that. Um, I'd be excited to do that and to discuss more about Fire Emblem Heroes and stuff. Thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Bye-bye. What is it? Special fighter skill? Yeah. I do. <clears throat> All right, let me take a breath. Let me, let me get some words in here. <clears throat> Jeez. <laughs> I think there's... <clears throat> uh, hold on, let me choke for a second. Did you die? No, I did not die. Okay. <laughs> so, let me articulate for a second here before I just spout random nonsense. <laughs> um, yeah, really quick. So, if we pause here, can you hear the numpties outside? I heard something a little bit ago, but not right now. Okay, there's there's some people outside that are just... I, I'm on the sixth floor, by the way, so I don't know how the hell their voices are carrying. But maybe they're, like, above me or something. Also, we gotta stop saying, oh, we know to segue. This, all the segues are gone. I'm gonna slash all their tires. There's no more segues. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's driving me nuts. Okay. I am segues are really surprised. Cops. What, like Paul Blart? Yeah. Whatever. I, I am honestly pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Yeah, you're such... <laughs> you're Sorry, go ahead. Just keep going. Oh, no, no, it's fine. No, I'm really please, happy please that <laughs> I'm gonna delete you. I'm gonna write your name in my in my death note. Wow, get that weeb trash out of here. <laughs> <laughs>